sunny but underneath the surface lies a dark world behind your safe little havens that y'all call home beneath the surface there's an evil that festers and grows where the american dream goes dark this is the literary license podcast america goes dark episode your book to screen show where we head down a dark alley and discover the books the films and all the darkness in between with your co-host Leandro Gazi, Craig Johnson, David Grant, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago. Things may look perfect on the outside, but what really goes on behind closed doors? podcast and today it's our book to screen is the first part of january 2023 we'll be discussing we need to talk about kevin by lionel shriver and the film we need to talk about kevin and before we get started let's find out who's with us first of all we have vicky ray with us hello vicky hey everybody hope you had a good holiday we have leandro gazi with us hello leandro hello happy new year for all and we have craig johnson with us hello craig Happy New Year, guys. As you notice, Craig is talking through a black fog. <laughs> we call the black screen of Craig's life. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get started, I think we need to say happy birthday to our podcasters, which is Vicky Ray. Happy birthday. Well, a week later, but happy better birthday. than nothing. Craig you, Johnson, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Craig. And the God before you, Kishago, it's my birthday tomorrow. Hello. That's right. <laughs> the king, January 8th. The king. No, no, the he's king. Gonna, he's going to try to tell you he's what? Gen X? What are you? Gen Z? Gen no, Z. the son of Satan is my, the that's my, my generation. Yeah. Or whatever. We know your son is, you are the prince of darkness. You do get yes. credit. As they called me in school, Damien Thorne. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, before we get started, let's find out what each and every one of us has been up to. And we'll start off with you, Leandro. What has been going on in your life since last time we spoke to you? Well, I have been uh, back home in Argentina for Christmas and New Year. Went to the dentist twice because I loved going to the dentist. <laughs> um, I was is, it, is it free? Is it free in Argentina or is it just because it's just easier? Uh, you can have it uh for free, but I, I, I paid. I got to see a dentist, um, which is really good. Um, then I was able to, well, I went to visit some friends to the coast, then get together with the family, went with my dog to the beach with them, and have a great Christmas, New Year, and now I'm back in UK. Did you go see Vita's grave? No, I have other more important things to do. <laughs> Sorry. Did he go see what? The virgin, the virgin saint of Argentina, Eva Dorarto de Peron. You didn't go visit her grave. I would have. It, it, it's, 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 it's not really far away from where I was, but I, I didn't have a, a, enough a, enough time to visit the, even friends. So I'm not. Well, never, when, it would have been hell digging was... up. She's twenty feet down. Yeah. Well, you should have gone to visit when she's <laughs> yeah. in Italy. You should have gone to visit her when she's in Italy. You could have had sex with it. So, everybody yeah, else was. What, yeah, everyone else was, yeah. <laughs> oh, yay. Okay, it's going to be, the, it's going to start off the hell of a year. I can just see it now. Yeah. Well, uh, but we won the World Cup. They were the World Cup. That was great. Watching watching the game with my family, you know, suffering until the last minute of the game. <laughs> and then for the first time, then going, we went to a park to celebrate with all the people. It was mental. It was really cool. And thanks for that deflection, Leandro. Now to Craig. What have you been up to? That deflection. <laughs> um, just, just been, uh, I had a, an early Christmas because my sister, she got engaged in Copenhagen. Oh, and cool. she went to um, Texas and then she went to the Dominican Republic for the New Year's. And um, so we had Christmas early, like there was about nine of us um, beginning of December. Uh, and then we had a smaller Christmas on Christmas Day. Um, and I've just been looking after my mum because she's had COVID over the Christmas. Uh, but it was a nice Christmas though. And then I had my birthday and i um, just been... Yes, the best people are born on December 29th, Craig. Just like Bernard Cribbins. I can't believe it, Ricky. I was, I was like, wow. I um, didn't know you were born on the 29th either, so. That's so weird. Let's go, wow, it's Craig's birthday, too. I have to sit there and say, though, it's a shitty time of the year to have a fucking birthday, though. It blows, let me tell you. Everyone's, everyone's poor. Everyone's poor. It's like... Oh, do you want to go out? No, I spent it all on Christmas and New Year's. Like, okay, what about a Happy Meal? No, can't afford it. It's weird because on the 29th, everyone's saving up for New Year's Eve, so they don't. They always decline a party or something. But, I um, don't even go out for New Year's I, Eve. I forgot to. Yeah, get... but th but then you get those shitty gifts, don't you? It's like, oh, here's your Christmas and birthday presents. Like, yeah. well, thanks. My sister. Try one. No, it was. It would be worth it if your birthday is on the 20, uh, on Christmas. Because they, sometimes they will say, okay, instead of give you two presents, we'll give you one co combined, and then you get less. <laughs> yeah, but the worst thing about having a birthday on Christmas Day is that you don't even get a fucking cake because they're, they're too busy burking the fucking turkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're screwed. You get nothing. 
Basically. It's like, sorry, this is Jesus' but, day. But I always had, always, had, <laughs> always had winter vacation on my birthday, though. So I never had to go to school on my birthday, like ever, ever, ever. I always had to go back to school. The school always started around my yeah. birthday. And I just thought if my mom crossed her legs for one more month before she had me, <laughs> I could have got presents in February instead of January. Well, you know, it is what it is. Were you were born early? No, I was um I was two weeks late. I didn't want to come out. They actually they actually had to suck me and force me out of the womb because I didn't want to come out. So not a lot like, has changed in my life like since the that alien. time. I'm like that now. <laughs> I'm like that now. I don't want to fucking leave the house ever. It's like, no, I don't want, no, to, I don't want to go. It's too scary out there. I've just decided it's I want to stay scary. home with my dogs after traveling. What a nightmare. I mean, at home, I stay in my womb of like duvets all the time. I mean, I'm always wrapped up in blankets in my little womb of duvets. So, I, I mean, I basically literally never left the womb, really. I went from one womb to another. Well, yeah. it makes you happy, honey. That's all that matters. <laughs> and I still get marriage proposals from people I don't know still. Yay. I just get A the lot. porn. <laughs> I get you the do. porn. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting a lot of soldier boys who are basically stationed in Syria personally who don't know how who don't have enough money to own shirts. So yeah, that's what I'm getting at the moment. I don't I think they you know, I've, I've seen pictures of said fellows and uh, around on the internet. I just think that they're a lot they're all beautiful and don't want to put on a shirt because they know they got pretty chests though. If it's them though, if it's them, if it's, it's them. I like the Surprising, Nigerian. Surprisingly prince enough, scam. none of them asked me for money, so maybe they're real. We'll find out. It's like the Nigerian prince scam. I got one. I, I didn't got one in a long time, and finally I had a Nigerian prince surface last week on Instagram. I was so happy. Did you send them a thousand dollars so you can get your ten million pound um <laughs> ten million pound rebate? Yeah. They had um they had a program in England about this. Uh, they had the show. They had they used to have the show called Watchdog or something like that, and it's about scam remember. scams. And of course, there's these people got scammed by. It's like they kind of deserved it. I mean, if you're that stupid, you kind of deserve it. I, I I've actually met people that really are that innocent. That yeah, but brain. you know the thing is, I mean, think about it. Send a thousand dollars. You'll get 10 million. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, sorry, you don't even get that in a Disney cartoon, and that's pure fantasy. Yeah. So, anyway. Crazy. Sad. Crazy. So, moving right along, what have you been up to, Vicki? Well, I just got back from the north country of northern New York, upstate or Watertown. Cold as shit. There's like 20,000 feet of snow we got there. So, Asher had some fun. And then it melted like, like it still was melting when I left because I kept getting blasted. Apparently they're going to get blasted again. But we did have time to go see Avatar 3D. Love, love, love. Ooh. It was great. And they made it in such a way, you know, that the kids are not going to have that. Uh, what, what's that movie? I'm having a blonde moment uh, where they got older during COVID and they had to kind of it was on Netflix. We don't watch it. Oh, uh, Stranger TV. Things. Stranger Things. So he started refilming refil now for the next avatar. So the kids, when it's done, aren't gonna to be too old and it's gonna mess things up. But it was really, it was excellent. I didn't think I was gonna like it. I mean, I loved the first one, but this one was really good. 
And it got the point across. It got the point across without being insulting to half of the globe, which I really appreciated. And that's what they need to do. It was beautifully done. I've got, I mean, it was just beautiful. I can't, I mean, even, even the violent scenes were beautiful. I mean, it was just the way they did it. And uh, what else did we do? I, uh, I finally watched Atomic Blonde. Do not know why I missed Atomic Blonde, but with uh, Charlize Theron, it's like she's a badass. Oh, yeah. She's a badass James Bond kind of woman. She's really vicious, kicks the shit out of everybody. I just love it when I see her in anything. And then I was, um, what was it? Oh yeah, I watched 42. Remember how we're always talking about how to get something, the point across without offending everybody, without getting the point across? It was a story about Jackie Robinson, the first black baseball player. Oh, yeah. 47. Excellent freaking movie. And, you know, if you want to get a point across, that is the way to get a point across. Watch that movie. It's just really well done. And it's just just excellent. And then I tried to watch the Origins series of Witcher. I'm having a hard time with it so far. You know, I love the Witcher. But something about this one, maybe I need to watch another episode. Maybe I just didn't give it enough time. Well, I, I sat through 15 minutes of it. And I, I was like, my life's too short for this. So I'll try it again. But yeah, I'm going to try again. But there's a weird disconnect with it. I don't know what there's it is. There's something missing. There's something absolutely missing. I don't know what mm. it is. But did you see there? Okay, they're making a new Indiana Jones film. Cannot wait. But they're making an uh, a, an Omen origin movie. It's coming out this year. And they re- okay. I'm actually looking forward to the actual reboot of Arachnophobia. I might... I hate myself for saying that. How are, how are they going to do an omen? It's what, an they're origin. Have, they're going to basically know. show the jackal giving birth to Damien. I don't Thorne? know. It says it's an origin. 2023, Damien. You know, the, I don't know what it's entailing. I don't even think there's a free book to the free. So basically, Lucifer is going to go to this wild dog and go, give it to me, baby. Give it to me. <laughs> give it to the Rottweiler. Story. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give it to me, baby. I don't know, but what was the other one? Oh, did you see? Oh gosh, what's it called? They're coming out with a new um Sam Raimi's book, new new movie coming out. Evil Dead. Yes, but it's a new one. It's about yeah, mom, it it's good. about the mother. Oh my god, have you seen the trailer? Mm. I am so psyched. I can't wait to see that. That's gonna be awesome. I obviously the trailer just I don't care if it gave too much away. It's gonna be good. It looks mm-hmm. like one of those movies that's gonna actually you know, make you like think it's gonna, it looks scary as shit, especially when you have a mother doing weird supernatural things, they're chiller. That's the, uh, that's the ultimate taboo is screwing with your own offspring, you know? So, I don't I mean, know, it, it sounds like my childhood. It could be, it sounds like our Catholic upbringing in, in Catholic school, maybe, possibly. I wasn't, I wasn't Catholic, we were Episcopalian, so. Well, what the hell were you doing in the parochial school? Um, my parents sent me there to straighten me out, but obviously it didn't work. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's months, what I was so. told. They wouldn't kick me out. They kicked you out. They kept me. Go figure. You should have hit a nun. Hit a nun. I did. <laughs> I most certainly did in fifth grade, and they still kept me. <laughs> yeah. What's black and What's black and white and red all over? A nun falling down the stairs. Or what Sister Esther. What about Sister St. Jude? She was tone deaf and, and she led the music. She, she led the music um, program. They all haunt my memory. They haunt my memory as well. <laughs> They're probably the reason I took up day drinking years ago. 
Though I feel I feel slightly insulted because Father Dougherty didn't um, he didn't um, dingle with my dingleberry, so um, I feel he did oh, they, everyone they were, else. So well, a couple of them too- were dingling with a few. So yeah. so why why wasn't I sexually molested? Was I too ugly? <laughs> I don't know. You're a scary adult. I can't imagine you as a scary child. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just feel faulted. I sh- I mean, everyone else got. Everyone else in that school got sexually molested by a priest, except for me. I feel left out now. Yeah, I love how they yeah. slept. Maybe it's because maybe because I probably wouldn't have put up a fight. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Can't rape the willing. <laughs> Can't rape the willing. <laughs> I had I knew this ninety-year-old um, Spanish woman, and, and she said to she said to me, she goes. When rape is inevitable, you might as well just lay back and take it. It's like, what? Yeah, that sounds like that Clayton idiot here in, in Texas. Rape's like the rain. Nothing you can do about it. You might as well just sit back. He did not play Jenkins. He did not. No, he maybe he did. No, that's the mayor of Dallas, another idiot. But this guy never did get elected. He was such a misogynist pig. Even 30, 40 years ago, you couldn't get away with that. Oh, my God, what a mouth on this guy. He was terrible. Okay. Yeah. Well, at least you always knew where you stood with them. Yeah, true. But it, it wasn't really, a, you know, you just got to learn to keep your mouth shut once in a while. Just once in a while. Once in a while. Well, myself, what I've been up to since Christmas is um, my friend David came over and we watched a lot of classic movies. We did Gentlemen for Blondes. We did the Planet of the Apes series. We did. Oh, no, you Seven did. Of, yeah, it's brilliant. We will be probably. I'm, we're gonna. We will be covering all those in the, um, the podcast. Probably the season seven or season eight. I'm trying to figure right. out where to put those in because the new Planet of the Apes movie is being made. The next volume for the new ones. So that's quite good. That's I'm excited what I about saw. That. So, and Crystal Lake Memoirs, the new Friday Thirteenth TV series, brought out by Brian Fuller, is being made and taken care of. At the I was. I watched. I was watching the the parts of it. I think I texted you about it about. Jason, whatever movie that was, that that, that movie is so far removed from any of this the franchise. It, it was well, weird. If you, but the thing is, they're the they're kind of divided into like parts, weren't they? So you had like the mother Part seven was the first one, but then you had like um, and then you had you had the mother and Jason, so that's the first part, and then you had um, who's the guy who comes in and kills Jason, but and the character's name Tom Matheson played um Corey Heldman. Right, right, right. But you, but you had that character do the next three. So then, of course, at the end of those three, then it's like, okay, we'll bring in Carrie does um, Jason. So, and then after that, they kind of went off in all different directions after that. And we got Jason in space and Jason in Manhattan. I know that's Jason X. I tried so hard to like Jason X. I tried. I like Jason X. I enjoyed it. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I enjoyed it. It's only because the kills are really good. Well, the kills are good. I will give it the kills. I guess that's really all we're watching for at this point, though, right? Is bloody mayhem. So, well, it's better than Jason being reborn because this sprog thing goes up someone's vagina and then gets re- and rebirth Jason. Yeah, was I was that? wondering how that works. Yeah, that was a bit odd. That was like the because that remember that movie, The Hidden with yes. Kyle McLaughlin? It's basically that storyline, wasn't it? By I never thought of it before, but yeah, along those lines. You know, where that alien goes and overtakes people's bodies by entering their orifices. 
their orifices. That was like, what was orifices. that that movie? A Stephen was it a Stephen King where everybody's like shitting red all over the place and the the uh, Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher. <laughs> it's like, why was that? Why is everything about anal? <laughs> anal and things it, with orators. It's like I don't want to see people bleed out their ass or. <laughs> And the and the only thing they could fight these aliens was a Down syndrome child in dairy. <laughs> dairy names, okay. <laughs> well, that's with whatever it takes, and it's always it's, dairy, New Hampshire, hey, or is it dairy? Yeah, well, it's Steve Stephen King, the drug and alcohol years. Probably doesn't remember writing that one either. So probably that's those were his best books, though. A lot of them was early books. But, they were all the best ones. Well, I also watched the new Firestarter with Zac Efron. Uh, did you like it? It, it sucked. Yeah, it sucked. Okay, because I was like, there was no fee. You know, just there was something lacking. Sadly, lacking. It, do, it doesn't help that she burns a cat alive because it scratched her. Yeah, I know. I don't remember. And you just think, because as soon as that happens, you're like, that girl needs to die. That bitch, that little bitch girl, ten years old, needs to be fried and yeah, died. Yeah, I, I draw the line at animals, even with ten year olds. You know, you're gonna roast a cat or a dog. Then you need to die. <laughs> and then Zach Af- Zach Afron does quite a decent job. Right. And then and because he, he's turning into quite a fine actor, really. He is, he is, he really is. And then he and then he's wasted through the last half of it. It's like he shouldn't he might as well not even been there. So. You know, over the, the holidays, I watched um a movie with Robert De Niro and him called Dirty Grandpa. Yeah. That, that is really funny. Uh, he, he does. He pulls comedy off really well. I'm surprised. Like so Zach, Zach or Robert? Um, Zach or De Niro? De Niro. Yeah. But Zach Efron does. I love Zach Efron. He's he's definitely matured since you know his Baywatch episodes of movies and stuff. And after his Ted Bundy performance. A lot of people didn't like it. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I thought he. You know, I that. thought it was a great performance. I see, I see him maturing now. You know, and he's getting away from the teeny bopper shit. Well, he also he's also able to do it all though. He also sings and dances if you need him to do that. Oh, he yeah, just, he's you know, talented. He's done a little bit of action, so he seems to be doing it all. So, and he seems to be quite talented. I'm waiting to see so. how he's going to pull off the wrestling of the Von Erichs in this movie that's coming out. Well, I imagine he's gonna have to wear lifts in his shoes because I think he's quite well, short. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't look like the guy, the dude. I know from. Well, I know because my my husband knows them personally or knew them, grew up with a family. So, so it's mm-hmm. gonna be interesting for them to watch it. That's for sure when it comes out. Mm-hmm. And is there anything else I've been watching? Yellowstone's almost coming to an end. I think it's got oh yeah, episodes. Yellowstone. I think there's a surprise episode coming out in two weeks though. Uh, they, that's what they're saying. Did you see the last episode for the season? So I just, far? yeah, I just finished watching that before. Oh my God. Isn't Jamie a little kind? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got so upset when I was watching. Like, oh, dang it. He's, he's a suck hole. That woman does using him. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> I'm also enjoying Tulsa Kings as well. I watched the Sylvester first Stone. episode. I need to watch. I like Tulsa King. I watched, I like the first episode. I, I mean, the only thing that's a bit disconcerting is Sylvester Stallone's plastic surgery, but beyond once you get he, past that, he, it's a good series. I can't tell if that was aging or if he actually had plastic surgery. So, mm, I mean, his face has always been lopsided anyway. A little bit, a little bit. His brother looks the now. same way. I mean, Frank. Oh, I mean Frank the singer. Stallone, whatever you know, uh, it's his brother. 
Gee, I, I wonder why he. I don't wonder why he never had a hit record. Hmm, so, did he but. sing? He did the soundtrack for "Staying Alive," that shitty Saturday Night Fever um, sequel. Oh, he did. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's him all that. over. So instead of the Bee Gees, you got Frank Stallone because um, Stallone so mm-hmm. actually produced it. Oh God, I'm so glad I didn't watch that movie. I've never watched it. I just, I just never watched that. I had no urge. It, it, it kind of makes Rhinestone with Dolly Parton look like a masterpiece. That's bad. Yeah. That's yeah, really bad. bad. So, well. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions, whether it's logos, brochures, or whatever you can dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. Or reach out by phone at Crunchy Cold 1-805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. Saying that, that brings us to We Need to Talk About Kevin by Lionel Shriver. We need to talk about Kevin. It's somewhere on my pages here, and I need to find it. Yes. (laughs) So that brings us to We Need to Talk About Kevin, (laughs) which is a 2003 novel by Lionel Shriver, published by Serpent's Tale about a fictional school massacre. It is written from the first-person perspective of the teenage killer's mother, Ava Katastorian. I'm sure I... Sorry, people. Katastorian, Katastorian. I just I know my little Caucasian mouth couldn't get around that name, but there we go. And documents her attempts to come to terms with her psychopathic son, Kevin, and the murders he committed, as told in a series of letters from Ava to her husband. The novel Shaver Seventh won the 2005 Orange Prize, a UK-based prize for female authors of any country writing in English. In 2011, the novel would be adopted into a film. What we're going to do is cut to the synopsis of We Need to Talk About Kevin and be right back. This is the synopsis for We Need to Talk About Kevin by Lionel Shiver. Ever since I saw Kevin was a baby, Eva has struggled with parenthood. She gave up her career to concentrate on giving her son a good upbringing, but something has gone wrong because as a teenager, her son is developing sinister psychopathic traits. As the situation turns catastrophic, she tries to figure out what she and Kevin's father and Franklin went wrong. In the wake of a school massacre committed by Kevin Kachadorian, the 15-year-old son of Franklin Blasket and Eva Kachadorian, Eva begins writing letters to Franklin in November 2000. She reflects kindly on the history of her relationship with her husband and the events of Kevin's life up to the killings. 
She also relates her current life. She also relates her current life. She was involved in both her son's criminal trial and a civil lawsuit against her for parental negligence by the mother of one of her son's victims. Eva sold the family home to pay for legal expenses, but in order to be near Claverack Juvenile Correctional Facility, where Kevin is incarcerated, she lives in the same town and is shunned by the community. She regularly visits Kevin in prison, where they have a cold relationship. Eva unwillingly stepped back from a successful career as a travel writer to raise Kevin, and has struggled with him from his difficult infancy. Kevin seemingly regards everyone with contempt and hatred, especially his mother, yet is manageable when Franklin is around. Eva perceives him as a deliberately antagonistic, with his behaviour ranging from seemingly petty sabotage of Eva's belongings to possibly encouraging a girl to gouge her eczema-affected skin. Kevin resisted toilet training, which Eva reveals led her to lash out and break Kevin's arm. Kevin told Franklin this was an accident and used the secret to manipulate Eva. When Kevin is severely ill, and as a child, he briefly accepts Eva's care for the first time and rejects Franklin, seemingly too tired to put on an act of apathy. Eva reads Robin Hood to him and he takes pleasure in learning archery after he recovers, but seems otherwise unable to relate to human passion. As he grows older, he also takes an interest in manipulating his psychophantic friend Leonard, engaging in vandalism and collecting computer viruses on floppy disks. He unsettles his peers, expresses his disdain for convention by wearing uncomfortably undersized clothes, and follows news of school shooters and mass murderers. In high school, Kevin, Leonard and two other boys accuse the drama teacher of sexual abuse. Eva is convinced he orchestrated the false accusations. As Kevin's behaviour worsens, Franklin defends him, convinced that his son is normal and often misunderstood. Kevin plays the part of a loving, sensitive son whenever Franklin is around. Eva's apparent dislike of her son and their distrust create a rift between the couple. They have a second child, Celia, whom Franklin believes Eva favours. Kevin is often aggressive to Celia and takes advantage of affectionate nature. When Celia is six years old, her pet rodent disappears and shortly later the kitchen sink is clogged, which Eva clears with a caustic drain cleaner. While Kevin is babysitting Celia, she supposedly finds the cleaner and accidentally destroys her eye and scars her face. Eva is certain she put the cleaner away and that Kevin had attacked Celia. This accusation leads Franklin to ask for a divorce, intending to take custody of Kevin. Kevin overhears them. When relating the story of the massacre itself, it is finally revealed that Franklin and Celia are dead. Kevin had killed them both at home with his crossbow before going to his school, where he lured and trapped some classmates, a cafeteria worker and a teacher in a gymnasium and attacked them. Eva speculates that he did this because separation and the divorce would deny him a final victory over his mother or to avoid being trapped in performing normalcy for Franklin. She also believes he selected people he resented for having interests they were passionate about for his victims. 
Kevin ensured a light sentence by timing the attack for three days before his 16th birthday in order to be charged as a minor and by using a prescription for Prozac to argue that he was experiencing violent psychotic side effects. The novel ends on the second anniversary of the massacre, shortly before Kevin will turn 18 and be transferred to Sing Sing, a maximum security prison. Subdued and frightened, he gives Celia's prosthetic eye to Eva and apologizes. Eva asks Kevin for the first time why he committed the murders, and Kevin replies that he is no longer sure. They embrace, and Eva concludes that despite what he did, she loves her son, and she waits the day he is released and she can welcome him home. And this was the synopsis for We Need to Talk About Kevin by Lionel Shiver. Welcome back to Literize the Podcast. We're talking about We Need to Talk About Kevin, the 2003 novel by Lionel Shriver. So, Vicky, since you read the whole book, what are your thoughts uh, about this book? I'm ready for you. Well, what I, 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 I intermittently had issues because I was gone and there was all kinds of issues, though, let me tell you. But I, mean, I didn't think that it was too much different from the movie. But what I did, did note is that this is definitely based on the darker side of motherhood. You could go one way or the other way. But th this child is just so, I don't know, I, I just he was just like rotten out of the womb, even in the book. I mean, as you see in the movie. And uh, it, 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 I had a hard time understanding. I adore my children. I can't imagine having a child I hate or that I, can't, I cannot be in the same room with. And I, I was really frustrated with what I was reading because I, I, I don't think she probably should have had that daughter because even though the daughter in the book was it's just awesome, beautiful, sweet thing, you know, but she takes out her diaphragm and she doesn't, she kind of tricks her husband, I think in the book, I stand corrected about that. Mm. And then, uh, but the thing is that when she has this boy, she, it's just a strangely cold experience, which is kind of, I know that some women have a hard time adjusting to motherhood when you have a baby. But this like I think, right he, I, I think he was I think he was born bad. I think he's just born bad. Well, I mean, well, I mean, from the very beginning, I mean, he he doesn't like her. He doesn't want a nurse. He doesn't want to, you know. There's just something so broke in the beginning, and you know, and as you go on through the book, you know, anybody reading the book or anything else, and this this the husband is totally ignoring what's going on. Does not want to mm. accept what's going on. And what does this dumb douche do? He goes and gets this kid arrows, you know, bow and arrows, a crossbow. And it's just like, no. And, you know, the one thing in the book that I was trying to, you know, when they're eating, what do you call it? The left uh, or whatever, the, that one meal. Is mm -hmm. he eating his sister's eyeball in the book? Because I can't figure it out. He said that, I mean, in the book, it says she's taken a round orb and crunched on it in the name of his sister or something like that i just couldn't figure that out and then there was the guinea pig and i love animals so that just freaked me right out why i mean this kid is just rotten i mean mm. and the mother she's a world traveler of course she gives up all of this you know this this life with this big house and she doesn't want any of that big house she she'd rather be you know hosed down with feces in a ubangi jungle somewhere you know, she does not want this. And I don't know if it was just foisted upon her and maybe just 
this is such a weird connection. I mean, I, I don't think this is based on any actual fictional character somewhere, mm -hmm. non-fictional character, but it, it's, it's hard to, it was hard to read for me because I, I just can't imagine having that kind of relationship with one of my children. I, I found that disturbing. I found it really disturbing. I found the book and the movie disturbing <laughs> completely in, in every sense of the word when it comes to that. But that's my take. It, it's disturbing. And it, you can't tell whose fault it is. They never tell you at the end of the story whose fault it really is. What, but, maybe it's, but, but maybe that's the point of the story that maybe no one's at fault. I don't know, yeah, but don't you think that throughout the novel, somebody should have picked up that something was seriously wrong and that this was progressing badly? <laughs> I mean, if you, I mean, the, in the interesting thing though, if when you take the point of where the book is placed, the book is placed when government started stepping into about how parents should raise their children and how they should discipline their children and stuff like this. And of course, all these school shootings that have happened are these kids right. who've been, you know, all been on Ridlin, have all been. What is um, this like 2000 and when, when was it? 2005? This is written 2005. 2003. But I mean, we really, I think we are, is this post Columbine? I cannot recall. It's been a while. Columbine, like, I think, was slightly earlier than this. She does mention Columbine in the book. Yeah, okay. So, so it was post Columbine, basically. Okay. Because things didn't really start. I mean, I, but, I think the whole mentality about this i mean when she wrote this book i mean like i said we didn't have these problems when we were in school yeah but i think but but another thing that that changed within the 1990s and 2000s with um education in general is that now what we need to do is we need to funnel our kids through this lens that everyone needs to be the same so we got so everybody needs to be happy participation trophies feelings no but beating. But we, but we all, but we also, but we also, but that, that's designed basically to mask what, what's really going on. It's like what we're going to do is going to make everyone a white collar worker, and this is what we're going right. to think. And the problem basically is, is not everyone is geared or and designed right. to be this. Right. And so, if you did not fit within this mode, what did they give you? Overactive, OCDC, all, all the other thing. Um, Medicate your they, child. They medicated them. And so we have a generation of between medicated the people of 1990s all the way up to 2000s of just medicated children because they did not fit into the stereotype of what we want within our society. That's a good fabric. analysis. That makes me think because I never really looked at it that way. So that really is kind of, and that's an interesting way to look at it because when you step back, you're correct because that is what happened back then. And another thing is that you know, media also rose for the, if you look at the way that media yeah, has been social media, total. Yeah. Well, it's not, no, it's not just social media. You have to look at media itself because what happened in media itself is that media was end up being sold off to the corporations. And, it was starting and of course, it, and so when you become part of a corporation, now all of a sudden these media things need to make money. So what do they do? They'd like, okay, we had the Amy Fishers and the right. Menendez brothers. And then of course, OJ Simpson. It's like, right. well, we can make OJ's when they this. really realized where the get was good. People were eating this shit up and, yeah. and nothing proved it more than the OJ Simpson deal. Completely and the people it. that were making the money are the media companies and the media. And you have to remember the media companies are, you know, 
sister companies of other parent companies. Right. And these parent companies at the same time are like, okay, you might be reading the New York Times, but the New York Times is also owned by CNN, which is also owned by ABC, which is also owned yeah. by Disney. So basically, so basically you're getting this roundabout thing. And of course, once you get the corporations, we got to make sure the board of directors are paid for. Right. So what you now have is now you have sensationalized news is what we have now sensationalized news. That's why we get things like 24 hour news, round the clock news started in the 90s during the Gulf but, War. If I correctly remember seeing the thing was, is that's 24 hours of airtime that have to be filled. Well, we've got a murder. We've got a murder trial going on. That, well, it's going to be a murder trial. That guy that killed those poor college students up here in a. In a, I think it was called Moscow, Idaho. I think I want to mm. say it's Idaho. Boy, that that's getting to be a really freaky story. But I mean, and it's nine. It's always on the news, and they glorify these killers. And I mean, I think people see that's like, well, I want to be infamous too. I mean, I mean, I think all of it is relevant but to see, why these things happen. But see, now there's also a disconnect with that because at the moment it's like, okay, basically it's this media story that's going around the world, and everybody knows about it. How are you going to find a jury that's going to be, you're not, you know, that is going to go in and know nothing. It's virtually you know, it's like, impossible. Virtually impossible. And, 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 and the media is going, Oh, everything's so bad with the judicial system. Well, everything's bad because you made it bad. Yeah. You know, you're the one that's purporting this and making sure that you're selling your enough advertising space in your newspapers by blowing something out. And you, see, you even see the sensationalized news. It's like you'll get a newspaper. It doesn't matter where you are. It's like right. hundred people dead. And then you read the newspaper, like 100 people could be dead if they should have gone Yeah, you know, yeah I know. It's like, well, actually, like, two people died, <laughs> you know. Or no, or nobody died. Or nobody you know, like, died. You know, or sometimes the headline doesn't even match the story. And that's what we have now. But at the end of the day, we, the public, are accepting it. So we, you know, you kind of, you know, if consume, you're going to accept this. Consume, consume, Precisely. And well, I think at the moment there is now a turn where everything, everyone's kind of turning away from this now. Well, everybody's sick of people... all the bullshit now. We're, we're all tired of it, especially we're weary over here. We're sick of it. We're all sick of it. So, But when we go back to school massacres and stuff like that, if you have a generation of Ridlin, when Ridlin's basically a way to deaden the way to deaden your emotions and to basically deaden the yeah. world around you. So what you do is you take the bright colors that they see originally, and now we're turning into like dull gray color likes. So they're walking through no life like live. this. And of course, you know, they that gives them a disconnect and a dissociation with whatever society they're found in. And of course, once you have that disassociation, you're going to be more prone to doing certain acts of violence because you don't fit in the world around you. But yet in the, in the story though, this kid was a problem out of the womb, which is, it's, it was just so weird. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how they, the author come up with this because it's such a sad concept and it's almost twisted. I mean, I, I, I was watching an interview briefly about that. I think she's a female. The author is. And I think she was trying to she was trying to figure out in her own mind whether she wanted to have children or not. She clearly did not have children. She she came to that you know resolution. But um, she was writing that when she this book when she was trying to figure out whether she wanted to have kids or not. I, I thought that was kind of weird. So you write a, a book about kid that's going to go kill a bunch of people in the school, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then I mean, what was she thinking about motherhood at all? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. You got to wonder what her experiences were because there's a story there. There really is. 
Well, the interesting thing is, is that the way that the book is written, it's basically written to letters to her husband, her ex-husband. Well, we assume there's her ex-husband until we get later on in the book. But what's quite interesting is, is that because at the end of the day, when you look at Columbine and all the school shootings, everyone kind of pointed fingers at the parents. So now what we got is this, and this is where I thought the book was really well constructed, that basically what happens if you have a child that you really can't do anything with? What? Because, that's a good question. What do we do? You can't you know, you institutionalize have a child, them. Well, child, I mean, child, social services is not going to help you. No, they're a joke. Night in between the 1990s and 2010, mental health has been wiped out. So you can't get, you know, there's no such thing as health care for psychiatry anymore because that's no. been wiped out. So now what you have is so we're, if you're a parent of a child that's you know what you know of this kind of a child what do you do because another thing is you can't spank them or scold them in public because people are going to come attack you because you're not you know dif- you know you're not well you can't your because child. you have no you're not allowed to you, that this is the advent of where you are not allowed to discipline your child that's why we have so many little shits running around right now as adults because nobody took a freaking whatever to their backside i don't care there's no way I well, could have got away with half of that shit. But we also uh, have to. You also have to look at the dichotomy of parenting as well, because another thing with parenting is like, okay, well, you can't spank them, but you can put them on the naughty step. Right. Now the thing is, you now you got both parents working, both parents are stressed through their jobs, both parents are, you know, trying to balance home really life and work life and, and children and everything like this. And the thing is, was you're putting your child in the naughty step, and that child in the naughty step is basically whining and grinding, and they're supposed to be on right. there for like an hour, let's say. After 20 minutes, you're like, oh, fucking get, just go outside now. Just do something. But then, yeah. but then you also have this other thing that with media, what we're, what we're talking about before is, then we got perpetrating um, sensationalized facts, which is like, there's a pedophile on every corner. Your A pedophile is going to get your children. So now what we have is these children who can't mix anymore and play outside. So we need to keep them back inside the house. So we got it's that it's going on. Really it, it has become society-wise quite a shit show. You know, I mean, and it, it does reflect this. I mean, she does a good job reflecting that in the book, I thought. And, but, you know, in the book, mean, there was no closure for me in any of this because, I mean, I was still asking why. And, you yeah, know, but, the, the, but sometimes, the father sometimes, clearly was just told so far removed from the situation. It's obvious. He just didn't see anything wrong with anything. But, like, but oh, sometimes, but, but not, but not, every, but not, not every query that's put for you is there, there's going to be a reason as well. No, no. You can't expect an answer for every single answer. Just because you want an answer right. or a, I mean, a, a, doesn't one. mean there's, there's one there. I mean, you can theorize, you can idealize, you can make hypothesis or whatever you want to. But at the end of the day, theory, idealization, hypothesis are not fact. And when right. you got another thing is, I think another thing that you need to remember is psychology, psychiatry, and psychotherapy and uh, all those kind of uh, and everything that deals with mental um, situations are unless it's a chemical imbalance, which is something right. different. They're not a direct science because we still don't know when the brain develops. Like it does the person's does the person's characteristics, personality, emotional traits, all that stuff. Is that is that well, this kid wasn't even potty trained? He, I mean, he refused to be potty trained too i mean but the but the, but the question you have to ask you is is all this being formed within the womb or is this and in, in exactly, that case it's nature exactly. in that case is nature 
Nature or is this, or is this, or after they come out of the womb, is it nurture? Right. You know, and you could take the case of Jeffrey Dahmer, for instance. Jeffrey right. Dahmer, his brother was fine. Now you could take nurture that his mom was a bit loopy, which is possible. Right. But there, but the question basically is, why from the ages of um, eighteen months to four years old, he wouldn't play with his toys and all? He was obsessed with playing with bones. Right. Well, his father taught him taxidermy. taxidermy. Probably that was one of the best, probably not the best. Yeah, but but the thing is, father taught him taxidermy when he was 10 years old because the only thing he would play with between from 18 months were bones. So his father, you know, not you know, I can understand this because his father goes, Well, let's see if I can well, I can't engage my son in anything else, but because he likes this, I'll engage myself with this activity with my son. Right. But saying that um, he might have been in taxidermy and stuff like this, but he didn't do an Ed Gein and start wearing their wearing their skins as clothes. So so whether the taxidermy, I don't think the taxidermy had anything to do with Jeffrey Dahmer's murder, murder sprees or he would have probably done it anyway. Well, he would he would if if taxidermy was part of um, the Jeffrey Dahmer serial killer way of doing things, then what he would have done is he would have taken his victims and he would have stuffed them and had them as mannequins around his house. Right. Yeah. But he was only leaving skulls and whatnot laying around. The skull, the skulls weren't for the skulls weren't taxidermy. He boiled the skulls and he made a shrine. So that way he could honor them to the to the God of Empire. Empire Strikes Back or I don't maybe whatever he was doing. Like, Something to do with Star Wars. I mean, the Ewok. I, I think it's the Ewoks. So the Ewoks are stupid. Anytime you got teddy bears running around, that, that, I like gonna, the Ewoks. Don't be busting Ewok balls here, okay? They didn't talk. They sing, sang. <laughs> like they sing, the sang. They look. They look like furry gummy bears. They are furry gummy bears. So, so, so I'm saying. So basically, you know, when you look at the fabric or something, you can't. And I think this is where we fail as society. We look at everything right now. But you can't look at anything right now. You have to go back and trace the path. And then you'll get, and then you'll figure out, you'll have a more rounded explanation or a more rounding understanding of where we are now. Well, I mean, do you think that he was a candidate right out of the womb to put him on Ritalin or whatever they were putting them on? I mean, because, I mean, or is he the product of a mother? I mean, it just, I just, I, I'm trying to fathom how somebody maybe, can maybe. be born bad like that. Maybe he's a product of um, food added food um, additives and foods and red color dyes and um, asbestos and and because I mean he was just you know, born he, angry. Well, I'm just saying maybe there's something wrong with the the within the mother's um, DNA that basically that when this child was born it, for some reason it, it something happened there, which is well, possible. the daughter was a lovely girl. But she had the, the daughter. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, just because you have one Down syndrome child doesn't mean the next child is going to be Down syndrome. No, no. You know, and, and explain that. How can this child out one womb has, you know, is has a missing chromosome, but the next child doesn't? You know, you can't figure that out either. No. And and the then, luck of the you draw. know, but if you also look at Freakin's um, way of um, looking at serial killers, for instance, his theory basically is that people are born emotionally blind. Right. Now, what now? How you can prove this? Not prove this is. I mean, again, psychiatry is a theory; it's not a scientific fact. Right. So the thing is, if this is true, and in the way that you can constitute whether there's a truth or a non-truth to this, is that if you stand in a group of people, and that there are cer- certain degrees of emotional blindness that you'll see in a group of people, and what will happen is you might get one that tends to more mimic 
Like if someone's cutting a joke, a mimic, like a second behind someone, and that could be a form of emotional blindness. Now his theory is that serial killers have total emotional blindness. Right. So they don't feel anything, no empathy, no love, no hate. Well, this no kid, empathy. this kid definitely has no empathy, but the mother doesn't seem to have empathy really either. I mean, she loves the daughter, but she definitely dislikes her own son. Yeah, um, but but well, the thing is, as you notice in the start of the book, though, is that she started, she tried to. She did try. But every everything that he did, I mean, basically he defied her and did everything he could to defy her from, uh, from the birth, from the thing. Well, there's definitely you know. ma massive disinterest. I mean, he hated, he didn't, he didn't remember, like, it, it did, he shrieks when they're alone. And when the father comes home, he's a great kid. She can't bond with him. And I mean, it, there's no tranquility at all. And the, the, what was it? The Irish American, uh, the, the nanny, Sab Saban? Yeah, Simone. Simone or Saban or something. And uh, she didn't even want, his tendencies were awful. She said the same thing. So, I mean, it wasn't just that maybe it was, seemed like it was directed, the hatred and the vitriol was directed at the sister and the mother. But his father, he could work like a, a Jew harp. He could play, you know. Well, me, to be honest, men in a family setting anyway are not the brightest. The it father depends. figure. Well, no, no. The father figure in a regular family are not the brightest because what happens? They they leave, and when they come back into the home, they only know what what's been told to them. So there's so and and they and they and they'll believe what they they'll then they can choose what to believe because they're not experiencing anything. Well, but another thing, kid. but yeah. another thing you need to remember is what is the one thing that bonds the child to the mother from birth? Then that bond, that bond that you get from 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 the the birth it's of the a child, natural bond supposedly. I, I, it's not a, it's not a natural bond until one thing takes place. And I that's, don't know. You know. Got me going. The first time the mouth hits the tit. The, oh, the, well, that yeah. That's but, the first that, thing they do when they pull them out of you. They throw them on your boob. Yeah. You and know? the reason being is because like an, we're, we're animals, like mammals. What do cats do? What do dogs do? What do horses right. do? Cows do? All the they other nurse. mammals. The, yeah. the way that they sig the signify or identify their young is by giving them. But he wouldn't even them, nurse. I mean. And, and right there. So when, so when you sit there and said that she tried to, the thing is. He started it, which causes her postpartum depression. Right. That, then she had it. I don't even know if that was addressed really clearly of the postpartum. She had it bad in the book and the movie. But another thing that you'll notice with postpartum depression when it comes to women anyway, most women who have postpartum is when the when the child does not take the breast. Right. And that's that and that's that's not the total cause of it. But oh, that no. is you a feel cause like for a large a large percentage. I don't know when you when you have a baby, you know, it's just like you feel like you sat on a blender for some instances, and you're not really happy for a while after that to begin with. There's pain and discomfort, and breastfeeding is not easy. I mean, it's not a fun time in the beginning. Your boobs hurt; they're hard as rocks for days until you get this kid to figure out how to eat. So, I mean, it's a miserable. It's not this beautiful experience in the beginning. I mean, some other people say, I don't care what anybody says, your, your boobs are hard as rocks for a while. It hurts. It's not and pleasant. Ba <laughs> and babies are ugly. You just got this thing. You got like this glow worm hanging off your tit. I mean, what's the reason for it? <laughs> not a glow worm. Does anybody like have something to say? Me and Keith are just hogging the whole car. Craig, what's your, what's your thoughts? Actually, Craig read the book. Craig, what's your thoughts of... Um, Actually, Craig you talk about <laughs> well, 
for me. For and about second tits, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> for the same price. <laughs> Good money for that. Um, for me, this book, they, they describe this book as an escitolary novel. Now, that's I've never heard of that before, like letters. But the letters were so detailed. Um, it was so fully detailed. And I was convinced it was a true story. I didn't realise it was fictional. Yeah, it, it could pass for a true story. It really yeah. could, the way it's done. It's that, right. that good. The way she comes I mean, it's an amazing piece of work for her to have written these letters into a novel like that. Um, and obviously, it, it makes me think of the omen almost. Like, I think it, I think even, when we were talking about the omen earlier, I think the omen definitely needs a remake, but he is like the devil child. He's so cold and manipulative and um, he, he wants to just destroy everything that the mother loves, basically. Um, and it was just such a strange thing where he didn't actually harm his his mother, but he did psychologically because he attacked everything that she loves the most, and that's what's interesting. Oh, he just despises her. Yeah. Um, well, but sorry to interrupt. For me, it was really interesting. There's a part that that I I pay, I, I pay attention to this thing. It's like I I think that she didn't want to have him. He was. It happened. She, that she got pregnant, and there was a moment that she said, I, "Right now, I could be a thing visiting France, and I'm sitting here with you." Right. So, is for me, it's in a way like, okay, he didn't know that that he he didn't that she wasn't expecting him, right? But right. they said that they discovered that apparently. Feelings are passed through through parents to uh, kids. So I imagine it's like, well, he, he was realizing that that she didn't want him, love him much, and she was trying to push him to respond to something. But for example, when she was throwing the ball, and then he 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 knew how to give it back, but he didn't want to do it. There's another moment that he said, "Have you ever felt like?" You are living with someone, but you don't like that person. Right. But at the same time, you don't know, you don't have anywhere to go, so you have to accept they it. Do. And, then, and then he said, "Yeah, I know exactly what's happening with with me and you." And like, I think that it was the relationship was not really good between them. It was awful. But at the, at the, the minute one that the dad was entering, he was switching like that. So for me, it was like, okay, does I think that he have a a, a problem, like um. I don't know how to say like something in the brain or he really is doing it on purpose because he doesn't like his mom, which is okay. Right. And then, and then there's a moment that she starts to read him a, a Robin Hood story and then that answer right. and he closed himself and said, get out of the room. I'm, I'm, I'm with mom now. So well, he was sick. I, Everybody wants their mommy when they're sick, but then when he gets better, he doesn't want her anymore. Well, I saw it in a different way. It's like, she, she didn't know how to approach him, and he was so smart that he said, okay, if you try to this way, no, I don't like it. If you try this way, no, I don't like it. She she put all the papers on, on the room thinking that he was going to like it, and he painted all all over because he, he wanted to do it his way, but she couldn't see that that he was different, right? He was like, well, let's turn this book around a little bit, okay? So what we got a book is a person writing to her ex-husband right. that we're led to believe. 
And it's her version of events, events that are not, there's nothing of fact or evidence to back up her story. Right. Because at the end of the day, we find by the end time, by the time we get to the end of the book, we find out that basically she's writing to a dead person. Right. So even the stuff that she's saying about him might not be true. Everything she might be talking about, like about the school teacher or about what's happening when it's just those two alone. She might just be throwing caution to the wind that I am that she might not be taking responsibility for Kevin's actions. So maybe the whole book's about that. Well, because, nobody's taking responsibility, but it's still that the kid has got a premeditated murder going no, on. No, no, but maybe he doesn't because all we got is her word for it. Well, then where did this idea come from? Her. Think about it. Okay. It now, I mean, I'm not saying that this is the case of the book, but if you look at the book in this in this way, just turn it around. Because I looked at it this way, but then when we're thinking about it, you look at the book another way. Let's sit there and say that this woman basically is she's being ostracized from her community. She's basically uh, a pariah on society because her son has massacred these kids in school. And wouldn't it be a lot easier to sit there and say that her son was born bad so that way she didn't take any responsibility for it? True. There's nobody there like at, at home to, to prove you know, acknowledge story. that this is going on. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a way to look at it. I guess it would because, be good if we saw his memoirs as opposed to hers. So that might give it some, you know, levity. Well, another thing that's quite interesting is, is that, and this is what made me think about it, that when the after Kevin goes to jail and he's been sentenced and then they put the, you know, the lawsuit, you know, the, the surviving, the parents of the children right. that were murdered, put a lawsuit against her. I found it quite bizarre. And this is what made me kind of think of this. I found it quite bizarre that she's up on the stand. She's giving her version of events, but the other version um, version of the event that dealt with Kevin um, with bad behavior, doing odd things that weren't, you know, that weren't normal, like kindergarten class. Right. Were, and why didn't they bring that teacher in to facilitate whatever that story was? But they don't. No. And there's other things that happen through Kevin's life that they're apparently that, you know, she's privy to this information. And the, per the people that she's saying are privy to the same information, they're not bringing any of these people forward into that court case. So in that way, that's a bit odd as well, if you look at it from that point of view. Right. So so what's interesting about the book is that you can look at it two ways, like this child was born bad, which is very possible. And all these all the stuff that what we're reading did happen. Or the mother has perpetrated this thing, so therefore she doesn't have to take responsibility because her son gone off and killed anyone. So it's basically him and has nothing to do with me. So you got two ways that you can look at the way this book was written. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. you know i think um look i mean if you look at i mean let's take the diary of anne frank for instance the diary of anne frank is from her point of view right but everyone else living in that room are going to have their own point of view but we're not going to know their point of view so basically all we got is her version of events and any sure. diary that you read, any diary that you read from anybody is their version of the events. It's not fact, it's their version of the events that are going on around them. And how and how they internalize those, how they emotionalize those, and how their uh, other outward thinking version of these events are. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean this is reality. This is their version of the reality. Right. So, yeah, that's a good point too. So, Craig, anything more you want to talk about, about uh, Kevin? Um, they they serialized it on Radio Four into 10, 15 minute episodes. Really? Which has intrigued me. It's interesting. Yeah. I can see them doing that actually. It would actually flow like a quite a good little. Hmm. Well, it's um, broken up where you can serialize it. Well, I mean. Well, each chapter is kind of based on a stage, Kevin's stage of destruction, isn't it? Yeah. Each chapter is kind of built around the different stages of the destruction. So I felt bad for the little sister. She didn't want to be born, you know, and I mean, to have she's annoyingly, I think all annoyingly cute children deserve to be killed. I'm sorry. I know you might be right. And why do you think it's called? We need to talk about Kevin. We need to. Does apparently well, nobody the, has. I think, I, I think that um, title basically comes from after Columbine and other school shootings. It was all about less talk about why these children murdered these kids and the reasoning behind it and you know yeah i mean my question is whenever it comes to school massacre anyway i'm thinking how much money are these kids getting for pocket money because let's face it guns are expensive but the bullets are more expensive and i mean we're not talking about a tenor down at the local kmart we're talking like hundreds and hundreds of dollars well now like a 410 a 410 is five to seven dollars around right now you know, yeah. so it, it just it, the, the ammo is expensive. But I mean, like this last problem we had, Uvalde. I don't know where that kid got the money for them guns, because mm-hmm. that that horse has done left the barn anyway. It isn't the guns killing everybody; it's the people. Something is innately wrong in the beginning for somebody to think about doing this to begin with. With bows and arrows, crossbows doesn't matter. Cars, you can use anything for a weapon. Something is wrong with somebody. Something if is you, wrong. Seriously, well, you not contemplate. Yeah, but what? But what? But what is wrong? What is wrong with society? Basically, is we are now living in a society where no one takes responsibility uh-huh. for anything, and they're so worried about what everyone else thinks around them. Exactly, they don't Thank actually you. figure out that basically, the world is not sent. We, we're raising people. And we're raising society that the world revolves around you. Yeah. But the, the but the thing is, and that's and that's why there's going to be a big disc. That's why there's going to be a problem with the younger generation because what we got what we got now is like, you're always going to win. Um, every you know the world is your oyster. Everything everything's going to be everything's going to happen, and all your dreams will come true. Yeah. Instead of but saying prob- buckle up, cupcake, because it is going to be a bumpy ride, and it's not a nice world. And there are things. I mean, it's a struggle. Living is a struggle every day for everybody. But- but the world's always going to be a struggle every day exactly. because what hap- because what happens is, is that once you get once you leave the nest and you're you know your mo- you know, mommy and daddy knocked you out of the nest right. and now you have to find your way. The thing is, everyone's finding their way at the same time you are, and at the same time that's happening is that you know the world's no longer centered around you because everyone's got their own problems. They're not going to want to deal just with you. And right. I ca- I call it, I call it the the only child syndrome. Because the thing is, if you are the only child in a family, the thing is, you are so sent having the whole world centered around you. Because if you fall, you got both parents there to pick you up. Now, when you have siblings, you know, when you, you know, when you're, when, well, when you're the firstborn, okay, they pick you up until the second child comes along. And then after that, you're kind of like, now you're kind of, you know, you're, 
now you have, now your parents have to juggle. And if you have three kids, they have to juggle you more, you know? And so when you do fall, they go, you know, it gets to the point where like, Oh, you fell down, get over it, pick yourself up. You're just going to have to get on with it. Oh, right. you're bleeding. Oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> just, you know, just get on with it. Go well, outside. I mean, remember you've seen, you've seen the jokes about it. It's just like, well, how many times did we wipe out on our bicycle? We're just laying there in a pool of blood crying, but at least we made it home by dinner. <laughs> It's just like kids are yeah. not effective. But, but the thing is, but the life. thing is, when you but when you when you have multiple children in the family, that when you got home, the thing is, you know, all the attention is not on you because at that same time, your mother's juggling. You know, she's doing the you know doing the dishes, yeah, making right. the meal, doing this and doing that, dealing with the brother, dealing with the sister, dealing with the other problem, making sure the kids at their home. So there's a lot of myriad of things going on. Right. So therefore little incidental things that are going on inside your life, though they may be big to yourself or not in right. the grand scheme of thing are not that incidental. But when you're an only child, what happens is that every small thing you do is a momental thing. So if you fall down, because you only have one child, you don't need to, you don't need to juggle as much. All attention can be, oh, you fell down. Okay. Or, you know, or your dress is ripped. Okay, well, let's look at this. Or any, any, you know, oh, you coughed. Oh my God, you coughed. Let me, let me give you a tissue. And so what happens is until the whole world centered around you, then what happens, you get out into the real world and then you have to come to the stark realization that the world's not revolved around you. And there's a lot of adjustments you have to make in your way of thinking when you get out into the world. And um, so, but now what we got to point is that we're trying to raise all our children is that they're, they're all only children. And what, and of course, as you know, when they get into the open world, you know, you're not always going to win. Not everyone's a winner. You know, whatever job you apply for, it's not going to be handed for you because you showed up, you know, it's going to, you're going to be disappointed. So what you need to teach people to, to do is how to learn from when life gives you disappointment and what you would do with that and how to make other choices and how well, to how take what you learn there and life. move forward. Well, the, the, obviously there's some kids and, and the things that are happening these days, like this particular, but they're, they're not, the mother doesn't even know how to evolve with things. So, you know, it, it's just a, it's kind of a shit show in this family completely. There's just nobody leading for one. Where's dad? There's no leadership in this family. Not that I hate to piss off any feminists, but seriously, there's no fathers. Half the time a lot of this goes on and over the last several decades, you know, the nuclear family is all but they're just trying to destroy it. Well, you know? I, I think that I ask you that because I was thinking, well, as you said, like there's no moment in the story where someone talk about him, you know, like I don't know, a teacher talking to the parents, the parents talking about each other, about what's going on. Every time she's trying to tell him what what he has done in the house he, he said well he's he's a really he's a little boy uh he's being rebel he will be all right there's like everyone no one wants to pay attention to what was going on until something big happened right and even i think it's like the you know like it's like we need to talk about as a society about tons of things that's going on in this movie by individually like for example no if he really has a problem what's the problem And I know that in society, sometimes if, when I, for example, when I was in the school and you have a, a, a classmate that probably, I don't know, was doing things like out of the norm, let's say, um, the punishment was like, okay, for two days, you're, you're not coming to school. And then went back to school and of seeing why he's doing that. And then, then, then years goes by, they discovered that probably that, that, that student was 
not getting all the information faster than the rest and was getting bored that because he was bored he needed to do something to entertain himself and then for that he was getting punished and i imagine it doesn't seem to well i didn't see it in the story but it seems like probably in the school maybe he was brilliant so that that, that was like there was no problem in the school until or not well i, I mean I mean, it, it, an interesting thing is that if you look at the Cray, the Cray, the Cray twins, and these were mobster twins that basically like wrecked havoc over the East London. Right. And every time her her boys did anything, oh, her, she always denied it. Oh, this, these are my boys, and protecting them, and that's what happens if you overprotect anything and you make excuses for their behavior. They're never gonna, yeah. they're never gonna learn from that behavior because there's always someone there sweeping up after them. You know, and, and and that's like us. You know, it's like us every day. It's like you know, you know, like even take it back to simpler terms. Like where I work, it's like we got a bunch of people who basically use their use the kitchen where you make your tea and stuff. They don't pick up after themselves, so they expect you know. So obviously, they expect some fairy or leprechauns coming in to do this for them. Oh boy, and of course, right. no one does. So basically, what happens is is that some poor you know bastard, and I've done it a couple of times where you start cleaning up after them. So what I do now is like, you know, one of the managers came in, used the last couple. And I said, come here, you need to pick up after your fucking mess. I go, I don't know what your home is like, but I'm not here to clean up after you clean up after yourself. Right. She got annoyed. But yeah. until you tell someone that and make them accept it and come back and do what they're supposed to do, they're going to keep perpetrating that kind of this, the thing over and over again. Now she she gives if she looks at me like she wants to kill me, but at least she's filling up the kettle every time she uses it. You know, yeah, but that's, you know, the thing is, is like if someone's always cleaning up your mess, you're never going to learn to clean up your mess yourself. Well, I mean, I don't think they really had when this book was written, there really wasn't social media per se. So you can't really even kind of really blame it on social media to some extent, because social media glorifies murderers. Let's face it. They just do. They don't, they don't, they make, they talk badly well, about them, but it well, glorifies the them nonetheless. But the riddling, when, when, the other thing is that you have government, religion, and state, and you have family, and the, and none of them should really be involved in each other's affairs. No, exactly. You know, so what we got now is we got government and state being affaired in how we raise our children, which is problematic because. Well, they're trying, but they're, they're, they're well, not. Well, no, they, they, but they, but they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't at all because the government fucks everything up. I do because, not want them in my family. Well, 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 basically what you now have is, is that, okay, yes, there has been cases where people have gone overboard in the, in the discipline of their children. That right. does happen. But at the same time, when that happens, then maybe you should attack that when that happens. But at the same time, to do a blanket thing like, okay, this it's a bit like this one person's, okay, yard darts. Let's take yard darts. One person buys some yard darts. They throw it at someone that knocks people's eyes out. Okay, this is danger for everyone because of one stupid person. Right, exactly. So, you, you, can't, you. so you can't punish society because of a, a couple of stupid people. Not everybody's but you, bad. But what you can do is make the stupid people responsible for doing stupid things. What does it say? Because, Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I think. Fuck around. Well, I mean, so, society, society <laughs> as a whole are not stupid. They're always gonna. There's always gonna be an asshole, no matter where you go. I'm afraid that assholes are here to stay, and they're never gonna. They are. Us. They ain't going nowhere. 
And so what you need to do is when an asshole appears in your midst, you need to deal with the asshole. You don't need to deal with everyone because of the asshole. Right. So what happened now that basically now that we got government involved in that and and it started in the 1990s before social media, where they started telling children that if your parents speak to you in an unkind manner to call social services. That's and they gave like all the kids a COVID. phone number. They were trying to get everybody to snitch on each other back then. I mean, it's terrible. But what's that? Was that what, what? What now? What you have now done is you now you have a society where parents have no control in their houses. Well, uh, well, here in the states, they try to weaponize the the DOJ and stuff, and p- p- the parents who did not want their children indoctrinated in schools are considered enemies of the state. You know what I say to that stuff. But, you know, I mean, if they're they're totally helping this kind of crazy behavior out over here. I don't know about what's going on in the UK, but I can tell you what's going on over here. Oh, there, there, there's a, there's a, there's some problematic things happening here as well. But the thing the thing basically is, is that once you take the power away from the parents and give yeah. the children the power, how can you get how can you give a certain member of society power? We don't have the tools and the education yet to develop what that power is and understand what is right, what is wrong, and understand the different variations of the great in between these two factors. So now you're getting the power of them. Now what we have is, you know, we got, you know, when especially when you involved religion, okay, religion's fine, but you can't really mix it with education because we have a power play going on here. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, we got to, you know, you can't really have that going in as well. And if you had church and state, well, that's fine and dandy if you're the same religion as the, the church the that's leading your state. But what happens if you don't fall, let's say that you're Jewish and living in an Italian country right. or you're or, you know, or you're um, or even if you're a Catholic living in a Protestant country or whatever. Well, you, you kind of hit on the head because here, you know, you know, I kind of lean towards conservative kind of because I just don't like all this crap that's happening to people. But the one thing I have known about, like, especially what you must say, Republican Party, they're trying to force religion on everybody's throat. Not everybody in this country is a Christian. So, you know, well, I mean, you got to stop with that, for one. I, I mean, you've got to respect I, everybody's belief. Whether you agree with it or not, it's still their belief. You know? Well, with the Republicans and Conservative Party anyway, this is going to be a huge thing in the next couple of years anyway, because whenever, whenever financial hard times falls or energy crisis or financial crisis happens during well, those are self-inflicted by that by you know whether powers whether there's right whether now. they're self-inflicted or whatever the thing is what happens is is that let's go back to family values when things were good but, so we're family, but to, family values are good the nuclear family is no, a good well yes and no because well, what yes happens and is no, but you know, everything has a i mean the thing is if you go and any direction that you go in, if you go too far in one direction, it's going to be. Well, bad. I don't want a theocracy for government. They need to keep that shit separate. I've always thought that. And and another thing that once you get in a more as hardship becomes more of a thing, it's going to become more of a thing in the next two to three years. Of course, once you get into family values and basically religion is going to start rising and then basically that everything we're doing, we're all going to <laughs> hell. And that's going to be part of it as well. Right. Even though the people who are preaching this are probably more sinners than we have, which we experienced in the 80s with the I Jerry know Skull the hypocrisy and, is astounding. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, and unfortunately, what we're gonna get now will be 
do as I say, but don't do as I do. Exactly. And, that, and that's about, and you, and, you, and, you, and you can see that all starting to rise at the moment. So, yeah. and of course, well, we'll do this. That for dog about, ain't going to hunt much longer. I can tell you that. Well, we will do this for about 10, 15 years. And then all of a sudden, it's like all of a sudden, the financially will start stabilizing again. And all of a sudden, then we'll go back to the other, in the other direction where maybe society should probably balance in the middle somewhere, you know? But we shall see. Balance is the problem. There's no balance anymore. You can't have yin without yang. You know, I mean, there's no balance. Really, everything has become one side or the other. There is no balance. And when you don't have balance, this is the, what happens. I mean, it's just out of control. I think what you can do if you want perfect balance is that everyone has a right to their own opinion. Yes. And if and as far as rights are concerned that your rights are right straight down the middle and everyone has the same rights. Yeah, but and I don't that think nobody's balance... more special than anybody else. I don't care. I've never thought Equal that. rights is being treated like shit like everyone else. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest, at the end of the day, it's not about, you know, as far as your human rights and all the other stuff is, everyone kind of does have human rights. Yeah. But what we're but the thing is, is when you start bringing in your individual rights, Unfortunately, when it comes to individual rights, that's down to you as a person and how you deal with society and how society deals back with you. And can't we all if, just get along? <laughs> you're always gonna have you're always gonna have people you're always gonna have people fighting against you anyway. Yeah. But the thing is, though, a lot of times if you present yourself in a, a quite a mild, well, well functional way. And able to get your message across in a non-threatening, understanding, exactly. understand where they're coming exactly. from. You understand where they're coming from. And that way you can bring your argument forward. And what will happen is you'll learn to compromise. But you that may makes not too much sense. And that's too well, easy to make too much sense because we can't have too much sense in this world anymore. I mean, the thing is, okay, like you might look at something odd. Let's sit there and say that you look at... Um, Let's take a gay person. Okay, you've never seen a gay person. You have this idea what a gay person may be, and you might, and you're gonna have all these stereotypes and stuff like this. But how does a person change their mind from about a gay person? It's like they meet one. Exactly. They talk, have you ever talked to, to them, somebody who's gay? They have an open conversation, and all of a sudden, this person thinks, "I don't like gay person people, but I like this one." Then they meet another one, and all of a sudden, their their yeah. views start changing. But their views are never going to change overnight. And there's no way you can force people's views to change. But with open communication, you'll be able to you'll be able to make a little bit of a dent there. And then, and of course, the, eventually, as you're opening their mind, they might be opening your mind to the way they're thinking and the way the, and the reasons why they're thinking that way. Mutual respect. What now, saying that you can respect someone, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you, you have, have to, to agree with them. You have to yeah. agree with them. That's Everyone has a Everyone no has a right to anymore. freedom. You're not allowed. Well, everyone has to a right disagree. to their freedom of their opinions. Everyone has their right of freedom of speech, and everyone should be honored by that. Just as long as they don't incite violence. Right. You know, I don't like racists. I don't like what they say, but I like knowing that they're. I like knowing which ones are because that way yeah. I know what to, who to stay away from. Exactly. But do I value their opinion? No. Will I be will I be putting on a white sheet and burning a cross in someone's front yard anytime soon? No, I don't know but, anybody. That but if you can identify, but if you can identify them, you can you can catch them before they do shit like this. Right. But if you start pushing them underground, you're gonna have a problem. 
Because now what we have is we call a thing called a terrorist faction going on somewhere in society that no one knows right. about. Right, right. Well, there's always going to be idiots like that. But the, getting back to this boy, though, in the book, that this this mother, I don't even know, I can't tell now who stood a chance with whom because there really was no bonding. He did grow up to, I don't know what you've called a serial killer, but he definitely killed quite a few people. So, I mean, who, who, who like, whose fault was it? You know, there's no, there's really no conclusion in the novel to that. Well, I mean, let's turn it to Columbine. Is the Columbine massacre that those two boys did, those two loners who, who basically, because they had zits, went against society because they couldn't clear up their acne and decided to buy guns and open fire at their Is high school. Is that what you read? Well, the, apparently they were bullied. That's They were bullied because of their zits. Oh, okay. That's one of the yeah. theories out there. So the question basically is, is it because of the bullying that they decide to open fire? Or is it because the parents gave them too much leeway? Or is it because these two, would these two boys have opened fire at Columbine if they weren't friends? Well, they're would usually happen- people that stick to themselves that are very solitary souls to begin with. They're gamers, you know, I mean, things like that. They don't socialize. I mean, they... But then again, I know a lot of people that are just totally reclusive that still wouldn't do that. So that's not even an argument anymore. Okay. But another thing is, is, I mean, let's sit there and say that bullying is a part of it. It could be. I mean, it's it's bullying. At the same time, I mean, if bullying is part of it, first of all, you have to conquer bullying. But at the same time that you're conquering bullying, you also got to let the person know that's being bullied that no matter what these people think or say about you, they don't fucking matter at matter whatsoever. They really don't. Because, because as soon as, as soon as, I mean, the thing is, it's, it's easier said than done at the same time. I'm not sitting there saying this is easy, especially when you're a child anyway. And pu- I mean, puberty is the worst thing anything anyone can go through. You're getting hair everywhere, nocturnal emissions, periods, going left, right, and center. No one knows what the hell they're doing. You know, you're bloating, <laughs> your, your face is skinny, everyone feels ugly, no one knows what the fuck's happening to them. And on top of that, your emotions are all over the bloody place. It's like, you know, it is you've hard. gone from Getting having no testosterone to having lots of it. You've gone to basically having hor- no hormones to having lots of hormones. So you have, you know, basically it's, men- it's, it's like male and female menopause in reverse going at 100 miles per hour. So you do have these huge emotional highs and lows, and especially with people who are trying to become adults, thinking they're adults, but not being adults. So you got that whole thing going on anyway. So you're going to have that dichotomy going on. But the question basically is also why you're dealing with the bullies. We think you also need to deal with children, letting them know that it doesn't bloody matter what people think about you. What matters is the people who love you, who care for you, and who are going to be there when you really need them. They care. Everyone I think else it's painful for children, though, to compartmentalize those feelings of their fellow students. And, it's, it is know. difficult because at the end of the day, as you know, when you're in high school, first of all, a day seems like 300 years in a 24-hour period. Oh, yes. Days go yeah. slower. Um, these people that you see every day, you feel like they're going to be with you your whole fucking life and you're never going to fucking shake them. Not knowing that as soon as you leave school, you're probably never going to see them again. again. Unless you see them in the welfare line or a checkout counter at Target or something. And then you might see them. But you never really do see them. Or every once in a while, you might get a post off shut on Facebook. And you're like, oh, hi, it's been a long time. And they come up with these memories that you don't remember. But obviously, they may happen. Or maybe they didn't. Or they lived in a different reality than I did. I don't know. 
but but life you don't realize that until after you get out of that but we do that but we do that with everything i mean well, then we go to college well being a kid is hard anyway this day and age it's even harder so that, well, i mean I, high, high school is like your family because what happens is you are shoved in with a group of people that you have no control over and told to get on with them. And so you have to do college too though, but at least college is something you volunteered for. Well, college is basically high school with ashtrays. Yeah. But, (laughs) but the good thing about, but the good thing about university is, is that you can come and go as you please. You're not actually jailed in with these people that you have to have to live with your next 13 years with. You know, and that and that and that creates a bit, you know, so that creates a lot of power struggle there at the same time. So and and another thing is, is when you're a kid, you think that everything is about you and everything's pointed to you. Like if you if you're walking down the hall and two people are talking amongst themselves, you think they're talking about you when they probably might be talking about whether there's maxi pads available in the girl's bathroom, you know, but automatically think, oh, they're talking about me because that's the way we think back then. So. Mm-hmm. but it's never i mean there's no early there's no easy answers there's no um easy solutions to any of this kind of any of these kind of problems but open discussion and open communication might be a better way forward so so before we move on oh and i get another thing we need to talk about the father's rose color glasses rose color is that what you're calling them he well, was complacent to the whole book Place like it through the movie. Light. It was like gaslight in the wild, almost. Hey, I can't hear you properly. Can you bring the volume up? I, I can't. I put it on my. Oh, okay. I'm technical problem. Craig, Craig is bootlegging his Wi-Fi. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whose neighbor are you stealing from today, Craig? <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, there's gaslighting from the dad, but also the dad is one of these half full kind of guys. Everything's right. half, everything's better. I and, wanted to kill him. <laughs> well, I, what I what I liked about the book though, because he's this half full kind of guy, and she's this half empty kind of guy, and he actually realized that both these people are bad, really. Well, the parents are just as fucked up as the kid, really. <laughs> if we go back and look at it, though. Well, I mean, there's problems. You can't go. You can't go through life pretending that you're in the middle of a cure song and live every life a song like you're in a gothic, you know, tragedy, right. which is the mother. And yet, but another, and another thing though, you can't live your life like every day zippity doo dah either. You know, you gotta gotta find you gotta find your balance. And the it's problem with these two parents is that they're both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I'm about ready to sing Zippity Doo Dah. You just brought that up. It's, it's going to be up there with Rick Astley all day. I'm, um, I'm sorry, but we're not allowed to talk about Zippity Doo Dah or Song of the South because it's um, socially offensive. and inappropriate. Everything's <laughs> offensive. Surprise ad. <laughs> Surprise Uncle Remus is a person. <laughs> Song of the South. Bad bluebird. Shouldn't it be a blue bird? It should be a multicolor <laughs> rainbow bird. <laughs> Mr. Blue I'm offended. Bird, uh, shoulder. Yeah.
so before we move on to the movie, how about we write the book? Starting with you, Craig. How many how many rotten bastards would you write this? Book? How many arrows would you give this book? <laughs> five rotten bastards. How many? Five. And what about yourself, Leandro? How well did you like this book? How many um, bloody bastards are you going to write this book? Uh, four. And you, Vicky, how many bloody bastards are you going to write this book? <laughs> I'm going to have to say four just because the, what, what was the content of the book kind of pissed me off, I think. The parents pissed me off. I'm going to give this five bloody bastards. And the reason why I'm giving this five bloody bastards is because it gave me a lot to think about. And and then when I came up with that story that list, oh, now it's from her point of view. So then it's kind of, then I want to say, because I, thought, I thought about that today. after especially Well, there really was only one point of view, which was a really good thing to say, because I didn't really think of it that way. But there really would be nice to see, you know, what happened to the kid. I mean, there is no ending. No. But, with, but is there an ending? Is there an well, ending for the Columbine massacre? <laughs> it's really not, be- there's really no closure in this story, no matter what. Which I think is quite quite interesting because at the end of the day, there's never going to, um, as you know, that if your children die or or do something horrendous, the parents never have any closure, really. There's no closure no, for that. No, they don't. Um, and, and then another thing is society doesn't really have, they don't, they, they, they try to forget, but they don't really forget. The only time well, they I can't imagine do, society being that. I mean, can you imagine? I, I, I can't imagine ever being the mother of a child that would do something like that. What, I mean, I, I, you get, you're tormented over your children as it is over certain things that I just cannot fathom, you know? Well, I mean, I, where this differs from the Columbine massacre is that Kevin lives and he's in prison now. Now he's getting, now he's doing, now he's getting that thing that we give to killers is infamy. Where yeah. basically, you know, he's becoming famous and people are writing to him and they're like asking him. Well, when they start writing him, like they're going to have women who want to have conjugal visits and marry him. Neighbors. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I'm sorry, but at least when you marry a serial killer, you know where they are at night. This is true. Always know where your man is or this your is woman. True. do is talk about we need to talk about kevin the film which is a 2011 psychological thriller drama film directed by lynn ramsey from a screenplay she co-wrote with roy stewart kleiner based on the 2003 novel of the same name by lionel shriver a long process of development and financing began in 2005 with filming commencing in april 2010 Tilda Swindon stars as the mother of Kevin, struggling to come in terms with her psychopathic son and the horrors he has committed. The film premiered at the 2011 Cannes Film Festival and was released in the United Kingdom on the 21st of October, 2011. Swindon was nominated for the Golden Globe Award, Screen Actors Guild Award, and the BAFTAs for Best Actress in a Leading Role. It received generally positive reviews from critics. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of We Need to Talk About Kevin and be right back. Every day it's a getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Love like yours will take a mile. 
Hey, hey, hey. You just have to rock him a little bit. Did you say mommy? No. Shouldn't he be talking by now? I wouldn't worry about it. Ball? No. He's just a boy. Just a sweet little boy. Just because you're used to something doesn't mean you like it. You're used to me. Great shot, Kevin. You're a natural. First he cries too much, then he's too quiet. And you see it as some kind of personal vendetta? You think I'm exaggerating? Listen, buddy, it's easy to misunderstand when you hear it out of context. Why would I not know the context? Welcome back into the Literary <laughs> Podcast. We're talking about We Need to Talk About Kevin, the film. Starting with you, Craig, what are your thoughts of We Need to Talk About Kevin? Um, the film, I think it felt a bit disjointed. I wish at the beginning they'd put like a location and a time span. Because um, I know on the opening uh, intro, it's the Tilda Swinton and she's being uh, tomatoed somewhere and I guess it was Spain or somewhere like that um, but then I realised she does do a lot of travelling um, but I, I felt disjointed especially when they did back history clips of like young Kevin and then older Kevin I would I, I would have maybe I, I think I would have preferred it to be in two parts and then it would have been more easy for me to follow but um, I got the premise of it and you know the, the little kid that plays Kevin, I mean, he, what, what a brilliant little actor um, to play that cold um, little bastard, you know? <laughs> and um, the, uh, um, I would say, like my, me and my sister, there's like a seven year age difference, but I would do anything for my sister. I would like, you know, I would die for my sister sort of thing. So. It was or would she die for you, Craig? Wait, 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 hold on. Craig, are you older than her or she's older than you? Scissors older than Craig. Well, she's younger. No, he's younger or Craig, older? Craig, Craig, well, Craig used to be the baby until, what, seven years ago? Yeah, so I'm the oldest now. Yeah, so... Oh, but, you've got a little brother or sister? Yeah, I've got a little brother. He's called Lucy. I didn't know that. That's so sweet. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's eleven. Uh, you beat him up? No, no. He... <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was really sad to see the 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 relationship between his sister and and that. That was heartbreaking, actually. Especially to hurt a pet as well. Um, I don't know about you, but the guinea pig was my my undoing. Hmm. I felt like the father in the film, he was like, not gaslighting, but he was just like, not oblivious. He could see what was going on, but he chose to almost blame the mother. 
in a, like a subconscious way by not even saying anything or just giving her certain looks. Oh good. God, he needed he needed an ass beating. And yeah. not I to mention the, the actor was totally miscast. I yeah, I think the, I think the actor not. was totally miscast as well. That didn't help. That 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 made me crazy. Why they picked him? I mean, he's a great guy. I mean, you know, was it John Riley? But he just was got, not the father for this. I got a question for you. Has anyone ever seen a movie with Tilda Swindon actually smiles in? Well, I mean, she must be a miserable cow. I've never. Well, look, I think of her, well, the witch in the wardrobe from the Chronicles of Narnia. Every time, yeah. I mean, her face is like that in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, great like, actress. It's like someone, someone pissed in her, someone's pissed in her Cheerios, and she's never gotten over it. Well, they're saying this is one of her best performances ever. I don't agree. Oh, I she's think. good in it because she she's has to be good miserable, in it. But I've but, seen her in other stuff. She was brilliant in as well. She's pretty steady about being brilliant. Yeah, but know. have you ever? But she's always she's she's brilliant at being miserable. She is. Always miserable. Really her face. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen this woman smile. I don't either. This her woman basically looks like that. Basically, she's carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders in every single thing she does. I mean, I like her. I'm not saying anything about her. Oh, yeah, actress, I love her. What's her name? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Yes. She, I, I don't know. I haven't seen too many movies with her, but the ones that I have seen is like, I have nothing to say. It's the best for me. I don't know. It's like she's, uh, uh, isn't she first... fierce looking or intimidating? Yes. Count, yeah. When I when I saw when I saw Narnia, right? I haven't seen the old one. I just I think at first I saw the, the new one. No, wrong. First I, I I watched the first one, which is an English movie. It was really cool. But then I watched this one, and she I think she's perfect. You know, it's like did oh, a great job. Yes, she have the perfect but face. The question is, Leandro, did she smile? She can't smile. Does she? There's no. nothing to smile well, about this movie. The, well, <laughs> like a, a slight cock, a slight cocking of the cheek slightly going up. Well, let's face it. She's a writer <laughs> and she's the head of a travel agency. And I think in the movie, she cares more about her own unfulfilled whatever that or wishes than her son, which is just getting more and more menacing as time goes on. Mm. And nobody is doing anything about it. Even, even when she goes with the kids to get them checks, they, they give him a clear bill of health and say, oh, he's, there's nothing wrong with your son. There's though. nothing wrong. Bullshit, there was nothing wrong with that kid. They should have just pistol whipped the pediatrician. There was something seriously wrong well, with the kid. I mean, I mean, first of all, from a doctor's point of view, First of all, they take him to a psychiatrist, right. and physically, there's nothing wrong with physically, him. Physically, no, but mentally, but if you, maybe but, he's good But the at thing is, but you don't. If there's something psychological or mentally wrong with a child, a doctor's not going to do that. That's got to be someone who has to go in and see the children on a, a regular basis over a period of time. You can't diagnose that in a, a okay, fifteen well, minute doctor. Okay, well, screw the doctor. Think about the complacent father and all the warning signs that something bad is going to happen eventually. Look at what he did, the daughter with the Drano, because they had to put dump it down the sink because he put the guinea pig in the garbage disposal. I mean, come on. And we know that he should not be left alone with that little girl. That little girl adores him, which he uses and manipulates throughout the movie. And the book. You're saying, Craig? When that masturbation scene makes me wonder what that was masturbating about. Like, what kind of ill shit was that about? You know, and just stared straight in his mother's eyes when he was. When he yeah, was well, no, yeah, but I think it's like 
okay, if you're a parent, you know that in any in any point in your life, you will catch your son or daughter doing something because it's the age and it's going to happen. And let what me I, tell you, it's probably one of the most horrifying experiences a woman can ever see. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm saying is, and this is what Greg said, is that he turned around and instead of being embarrassed or do anything, he just carry on. <laughs> well, really, wow. it's like, oops. See you later. I have to think of it this way. I don't know. I don't know how many crusty socks my mom had to wash when I was growing up. (laughs) And the thing is, at that time, you don't think about it. You think, oh, don't you? Oh, she will never know because it's inside the sock. She'll never know. But then, then when you then when you start doing your own laundry, you realize, oh my God, this is quite frightening. Really, it's like (laughs) it puts the lotion in the basket. Lotion in the basket. I mean, <laughs> I, have, I have a slight, I have a slight problem with this film, though. Huh? I have a slight problem with this film because I just felt really disconnected from everybody in it. Well, you don't like anybody. There's nobody to be well, vested in, really. But I think this has to do with the way the the film is done because, first of all, the film starts off and you kind of know what's happened. Yeah. So be, because oh, what happens. Because what happens in the in the book, you kind of get a lead in. The thing is, you don't really know about Kevin. You're getting an idea, but you're not quite sure where this is leading. The movie tells you this is what this is what happened. Now we're going to go back and forth here. So in a way, it's kind of like you don't see the way this is developed. You don't see the natural progression of the way that this is developing. Well, I read in some of the if I saw some interviews how people were explaining the book, and they did not think that the book translated well to the screenplay to the movie. They think that there was something lacking when it was written for a movie. I like the so maybe that's what your people, you know, is being projected upon us as viewers, you know. Craig? I like the bullseye shot of the, from the people on the close-up. That was really good. That was a mean take that. That was taken a while to get that right. Right. Yeah, I don't know, but it was really good shot. Um, but... Yeah. Why did he need all those bicycle locks, though? I mean, these are, these are, these are things you know that are just and there's all kinds of there's all kinds of, of evidence to say something is not right here i mean i guess uh, i guess you just don't see it until it happens i think a lot of i also think there's a problem with the artistic artistry of the film as well like we i think we could have done without her riding on the back of people covered in tomatoes Was and it I, tomatoes? And I, like in the beginning, the way the movie ends. Yeah, I was trying to figure out if that was feces or tomatoes. Well, no, it's tomatoes. But the thing is, tomatoes are red, red is blood. So therefore, what they're doing is a symbolicness of basically is that, you know, she's coming from the trenches of war sort of thing. And then, then of course, because if you look at the next scene, basically, is that basically she's leading her life without what after the the aftermath of what happens sort of thing. So it's kind of like this. You know, she's, you know, she's coming. Well, her out of husband it. kind of forced a lot of this on her baby hearth home. She didn't want a big house. She didn't want any of that. He wanted all that. Yeah. But at the same time, she still wasn't when he was asking her about, I mean, I'm not sticking up for the husband here, but oh, I know. at the same, but at the same time, he would ask her and she wasn't making any decisions either. He's like, oh, can we do this and this and this? And she's like, uh, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. And what happens when you're in a relationship and you keep telling the other person, we'll talk about it later. What you've now done is you made that person make a decision without you because you kept saying you're going to talk about it later. That's what Dr. Who normally says to the assistant for the past 60 years. 
I mean, I do that every time dinner's discussed here in the household. What do you want for dinner? I don't care. What do you want for dinner? I don't care. Whatever. I don't, I'll, I don't care. I don't care. And then when the meal comes to me, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> you know, maybe if I sit there and said what I wanted for dinner, maybe a bit more enthusiastic about what I'm eating for dinner. It was you a know? big movie which surprised me. I didn't think the BBC would touch something like this. Um, and then they struggled to get the funding because of the high budget. Um, which just really surprised me. I was like, oh, it's a BBC film. But yeah, very cold. It was a very cold film. I couldn't, I didn't warm to any element in the film. I mean, it was dark. I mean, even in the first scene, her house has been trashed with red blood paint all over. You know, she's scrubbing all the blood off and even when she applies for a job, which you think is like a positive thing, they were just like, oh, we don't give a fuck who you are. As long as you can file and, and um, use the photocopier, I don't care. And then and then she had that horrible Christmas party where she was led into false pretenses, where she felt that the guy was friendly with her. And he, he, he whispered to her, oh, you effing stuck-up bitch, whatever it was, you know. And, and he was a weird character because he was listening to his, his earphones and dancing to himself, which was really strange. Because normally you'd get that in like an 80s movie where someone just goes off on a tangent and starts dancing between themselves. So that was quite nice to see. But it was a very cold, cold feeling I got from, from start to end. I didn't, there's nothing. And it was always filmed in really Science. cold film stock. Like it's like that blue white yeah. thing, tilted film all the way it through. Was it was so desensitized. I mean, it was kind of a mind numbing movie. There was really, there's no elation. There really wasn't any sadness. It was just like, it was just a numb film. I mean, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It well, didn't make you feel really. You just like, but wow. see, what I think, I think what the director was trying to do is that because the mother felt numb and she was, she had, she's like, she's like dead inside kind of thing while she's trying to deal with this, um, the, the situation. And I think this is where the director got it wrong because what you have now, that's like, so, okay, basically what the mother is feeling is what we're going to do the whole film in this way. Yeah, but it what, But I think that what she should have done basically is show the husband and show misery guts and her joyful husband in the beginning of the relationship and have everything quite warm and fuzzy and, you know, and this really, and this lifestyle that they was, that was so exuberant. And then she gets pregnant and then start going to more colder and stocks um, starker. So you have something to counterbalance it. Well, it's really a negative twist on motherhood. I mean, because motherhood is, it's, 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 it's a struggle and it's, it's tiresome at times. And there's times you is have it? to walk away from your kids. Is it? But I mean, it's not this dark. Say that to I mean, say that to Norman Bates. Well, Norman Bates's mother was a psychopath. Okay. <laughs> but she wouldn't even hurt a fly. A no. fly. A fly. Tilda got best actress for this film. She won that. And um, there was a quote in um, what was it? Um, Busted Halo. The film is yet another instalment of the pantheon of postmodern films intent on assaulting the human desire to give meaning to the world. And that was by Jake Martin, who was a guesswork priest and movie critic. It's just this movie. So, I mean, it, it's it's kind of, it, at least it follows the book really closely. I mean, there's not too kind much of, to pray, it's, but. It's like It's like the book without any... 
ending. I would have found it hard to without any context. It's the book without the context. That's what it feels yeah, like. That, yeah, I guess. Because you're getting because you're getting these scenes that are going on within the movie, but there's no context behind these scenes. So you're kind of like, this happens, and then this happens, this happens, but you don't have anything that leads up to that happening or anything that goes after that. So what yeah. you're left with, the funny thing is when I saw the movie and I, I watched it this afternoon, I was left this movie as like, well, Kevin does this stuff and there is no repercussions of anything None he at does. all. He does not get, but it's this new, we cannot spank, we cannot, we cannot discipline. I mean, it doesn't work. I'm sorry. You've got to have boundaries. Every Kevin does shitty boundaries. stuff and he still gets his way. He's like, he's done a shitty thing. Let's give him ice cream. He's done a shitty thing. Let's give him a candy. Well, bar. the only time she get any response from him is when she breaks his arm. And then he uses that to manipulate her. I mean, so yeah, but she, but at the same time, if you're going to let a child manipulate you, you kind of deserve it. I'm sorry. I would have beat the bacon out of that kid. If you have a three, if you if you have a three year old be able to manipulate you, I mean, God forbid, what? I mean, how in the hell are you going to leave the house? Because if a three year old can manipulate you, I mean, the gas station attendant when he sits there and refuses to sit there and give you the right amount of change is going to manipulate <laughs> you even further. Yeah. I was, uh, uh, yeah, I did. the thing is, I just, there was all, the only thing that the movie did well, show is that there was all these telltale signs, but there was nothing done about it. In which case happens in a lot of these shootings and a lot of these murders, there's always signs and people don't ask, don't tell. You can't snitch, you can't say anything. You know, they, I'm sure that his the students in his school probably thought he was a little off. I think he was being bullied a little bit. And there's that, there's that feeling that in these situations in real life and also no one knows why, there's always that open question like, right. why, why did you do this? And I don't even know if the kids themselves know yet. But the end is so weird, though. I mean, the, the end, I don't know what you guys thought about the end of the movie, but I had a hard time figuring that out. I was like, what is going on? Well, see, I, I think if they stuck more to the structure of the book, I think the ending would have had more of a payoff. But because they kept cutting back and forth, that by the time they, well, the ending kind of is like this mishmash of whatever. And he's plus he's I mean, going to be getting out in 25 years. The mother says after killing was it seven people in the gym, locking them in and just picking them off with an arrow from the bleachers. Well, I mean, the thing happened. The, th the problem is, is that if you're a juvenile and you kill right. or something and you go to prison. Right. Once you go, Pat, you you will be liable for probation at a lot earlier stage. Doesn't matter the reasons right. why you killed. Just as long, you have to make sure you're under. If you're going to kill anyone, what make state sure they were in. What state was it in? New York State. Was it New York? Yeah, but the problem the problem basically the, this is where we have a quite of a weird thing, which is kind of controversial to say. Let's take the Bulger case where we have the two kids who basically murdered um, the little Bulger boy. Now, the thing is, is, okay, they killed him. I think they were like 10 or 11, and the Bulger kid was four. Basically, they raped him, sodomized him, beat him, cut him, pretty much did every horrible thing that you can do to a body to this little kid. But they were 10 years old. Right. So and then what? Then, so basically what happens is they, they get put away to a juvenile a detention center, which they should be. But now what we have is now they're adults. And what happens is, are, are they still guilty of the crime they committed? 
because they were children. Right. So what they did do is, okay, they were able to enter society again. So what they were giving is a brand new name and everything like that, uh, whatever. And then they go out to society. One of them has to come back inside because he's addicted to child porn. So God knows, you know, what's happened. We don't know if that's the case from here, stuff like that. But the question basically is, is that if you're a child and you kill somebody, how responsible are you for that murder? Because you're a child. Well, it depends. You know, did you leave your weapon? Did you leave a weapon out? Did you? They have access. I mean, there are ways where you can. No, I talk. I talk. I'm talking about the child themselves who does the murdering. Okay. for that as well, because the kids had watched Child's Play too just before the murder, so they tried to blame that movie for Jenny Agatha. Well, actually, that 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 um, that story about the Bulger, the two kids seeing Child's Play three actually right. end up being false information it actually they never actually saw it right wow that's something that the sun newspaper perpetrated and that that started our video nasties over here for a while gotta love media <laughs> but that but then again i mean that that's the age thing do computer games or films create violence within a society video games they blame it on everything well i mean to be honest there probably are some individuals oh, that yeah. will be affected, but I mean, let's go back to Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer was affected by the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. That just freaks um, me out about that. John, John Wayne Gacy, who was torturing boys and sodomizing them before he would sit there and kill them and bury them in his basement, had a thing for Bozo the Clown, which is a children's thing. So I know. How did we ever get through our childhood with Bozo the freaking clown? He was a scary, scary clown. And my, he would be on TV. It's just like... What about Ronald McDonald? Ronald McDonald McDonald was creepy as fuck, too. (laughs) And the Hamburglar running around? And Grimace? I mean, whoever came up with those were actually just torturing What about the tree? Everybody forgets about the tree in McDonald land. I did not forget the talking tree. Anytime there's inanimate objects that are running around, it's like, it's like, like, like you watch the um dolly green giant ho 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 green giant and they got talking peas that are being shelled to be to be eaten i mean that's just something weird about that it's like we're gonna show children these talking peas that have little cute personalities and have cute little voices so they can eat them this will get them to eat their vegetables it's weird but anyway i'm just sitting there saying that there there is there is an argument about this sort of thing but then you have these other things that are completely natural and innocent that made well, made killers kill. So it's, I think that it's kind of a weird thing that they come up with. And I think it's an easy target. It's easy to find who's to blame. When it, And when we get to the point where who's to blame, we kind of open the floodgates anyway. It's because of the parents. It's because of the school. It's because of the teachers. because of the video. It's because of a book they read. It might be because of the news. Who knows? I mean, the parents. Yeah. I mean, I blame Leandro. I think Leandro sits there and every kid he comes across turns into a mass murderer. And I do not know why this is. Leandro, so Leandro what are you doing? What, what's that evil Argentinian witchcraft that you're doing on these children? Argentinian witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Soccer. But another thing you have to realize with any kind of crime or anything that happens in society is, oh, we should have known. Again, well, there are signs that something. No, might no, but you got to remember is 
when the signs are going on around you, you don't see them. It's only after everything's passed and you look back and it's like, okay. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, you don't think that that there weren't any signs with Dahmer's father that he didn't think something was wrong or, you know, I mean, I would notice if my kid was killing animals that something was wrong, you know? Not, not, not if you're not, not if you're not finding these animals. Well, you know, um, I wanted to tell you this. When I was studying in university, uh, one of the subjects was psychology and then we were chatting about how the professor was explaining how when we were kids, we discovered death. And th there are different ways. And she was telling us that she used to have, uh, I don't know, a relative or someone she knew that was a little boy and they were in a place full of chickens where the, the chickpeas. So he was grabbing each chickpeas and he was squashed them or doing something on the neck and he was killing them. So he killed like probably like four or five. Mm -hmm. And then and, until until five. someone saw him doing that, and I said, hey, what, what are you doing? And I said, well, I don't know. It's really interesting. You grab them and then you touch there and then they die. So I think that it's, well, this is how I see it. I don't know. How well, the question you, is, uh, is the boy that was doing that, what happened to him later on? Anything or just become a normal? No, boy? well, then, then they explained to him, look, this is what happened. But what I, I always remember is like that that satisfaction that he was feeling because he didn't kill one and said, oh, wait, it, 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 he carried on doing two, three, four until he was mm -hmm. someone saw him. And then someone kind of could explain that was what the professor was telling us, like how this boy, the story, approach the guinea pig for example but i imagine by then he knew what was like what he was doing in a point right but he he was manipulating everyone right he was even saying to the sister look try to do this and she was doing it because she was innocent and then then she lost her eye and then she was after that he said to her hey do you want to go and play outside like targets or something and the mom said no <laughs> But see, right then, I mean, this is like my sister, what I used to do to my sisters. And people think that I'm cruel for doing this. You are. But cruel. I used to tell my sister, I'll give her a dollar if she stuck her tongue on the electric fence. So Kelly would put her tongue on the electric fence. She'd be buzzed mm. off, land on her ass, cry, <laughs> because she basically she's electrocuted through her tongue. I'd wait a week, tell her to do it again. She would do it again. This girl did this seven times. So the question is, the first time, I'm the uh, I'm mean. Second time, I'm so mean. Third time, she's an idiot. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. Well, it's but... like it's like my sisters when we used to play hide and seek, right? We used to play hide and seek, and so I would un they hid in the same place every single time. So I would unscrew the doorknob of the closet. So what would happen is they would hide in the closet. That they close the door, they get locked in the closet, and they can't get out. And I would keep them there for three hours and I'd go downstairs and watch television. And I only I would only let them out when my mom goes, your sisters have been very quiet. Where are they? And I would then let them out. And by that time, they're screaming and yelling. And my mom goes, what happened? I go, I don't know. But at the same time, first time or second time, but, you know, every time we played hide and seek, this is what I do. And they would do the same thing over and over again. We need to talk <laughs> about Keith. Yeah, we, need to, we do need to talk about Keith. <laughs> well, for, for example, what I'm saying is I think this thing happens always between brothers. I remember that not so long ago, my sister said, how oh, do you remember that time that, that that 
my dad told me off about something. It was something like bad. And she said, well, I need to tell you something. It was me. And I said, I knew it was you. I said, yeah, but I, I never say anything. I, I let you get all the shit from dad. But I, she wasn't. So I think like and several times she was saying, who did that? And she was like, Leo did it. And because you're the, the youngest one, you receive it. You know, it's like there was no even time to say, no, I didn't do it. And then so I think it, this thing happens. It's like dynamic between brothers. And the youngest one, you always like believe what the, the oldest says in a way until then you discovered, okay, well, he's. But it's my job to teach him that you shouldn't always believe everything everyone tells you. Yeah, I know. Well, and so, so for me, electrifying my sister numerous times through her adolescence that, that's bad. And, lock, and, and locking both sisters in closets for most of more. their childhood, I've taught them they shouldn't trust everybody. So I taught them a valuable lesson of life. You know where you're going, right? Besides me, see, yeah, I'm going to have I taught my sisters a valuable lesson I find it hard to believe that there are no signs. We went to school with somebody, and I'm, I don't know if you knew him, but he went to, he was, went to, well, he went to public school, but I knew him, and he was in my neighborhood, and he was a cruel kid. He used to do things to animals, everything else. I mean, he would push people out in front of cars, and then finally, years later, <clears throat> later 20s and stuff, I'd already started having children and whatnot, or was before that. But he went on to kill his next door neighbors. And you saw him in the newspaper watching them take out the bodies. And he's just sitting there looking at his handiwork. And I could have told you 15 years before that kid would have done that. Don't I tell me his that. parents. That happened, that happened in the 80s, didn't it? That kid that murdered his Charlie parents. Charlie Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But see, that, there was but, something always wrong with him. Beautiful family, lovely family. But, oh but the God. thing, but you also have to remember hindsight is a wonderful thing because the thing is when you have a bunch of information and it's kind of all over the place. And the thing is, and especially if it's over a period of time that you don't start connecting the dots at all, but after something happens, then you can, after it's happened, then you start looking back and then you can start putting the pieces of this puzzle. You together. have to put the pieces together. You knew he was going to eventually do something like that. My mother used to teach him for CCD for like. Uh, but what I'm saying, yeah, Crazy. you might know he's gonna, do, but you know, you might know he's gonna do something, but you're not quite sure exactly what that well, is gonna be yeah. as well. I mean, you do do that, but I mean, life is like a, one of those magic puzzle things anyway. It's like you sit there and look at this magic puzzle thing, and it's like, okay, I don't see anything. But then once you step back and concentrate a little bit better on it, you have to kind of step back from the situation to see it more clearly. Yeah, and, and then you get Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah, precisely. The magic <laughs> Should not have messed with that box. But then, but then you also have this thing: is it's like um, with parents, for instance, like if you have a son who does commit murder or something like that, should the parents have known or shouldn't they have known? Well, I guess. Do you think that you're so? I, I mean, I think I would like to hope that I know if my child was capable of murder. I really would. Or capable or, of harm. Or is that you know uh, subconsciously you know they are, but consciously you do you're you're you you want you're hoping and praying that it'll never come to that, maybe. And so therefore you, you give yourself this you kind of um, but this was so different, the mitigating circumstances around the novel and this whole thing. I mean, the mother didn't even want him. I mean, the kid was also dealing with rejection. You know, on the top of the not bonding. Remember, she's like trying to teach him how to speak and to stop pooping his pants and 
ball. You know, she's trying to roll the ball to him. I mean, there wasn't even anything on a lower level intellectual thing going on with them. I mean, it was. Just, I mean, they hated what each she sh- other. Well, what what she should have done is do what most people do when they can't deal with their kids and just leave it in an orphanage somewhere and yeah, drive off true. with a little, with a little basket <laughs> with a with a little chain that says, "Please take him for us. He will yeah. always be loved." I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult situation because at the end of the day, I mean, it's like another thing. So, I mean, we're in a situation where social services are not even going to help you. So if something happens, you have an unruly child and you can't, you can't bring them back into, you know, into a ruly state. Right. What happens is that social services start charging the parents now. It's like, yeah, but they were doing what, that 20 what, years hap- ago. What, what happens when you have a child that you have no control over? And if you have a child that you have no control over, how do you gain control over and what is acceptable? Because if oh, you tried everything else, like- Do you guys remember that girl? I think she was on Dr. Phil. Cash me outside. Remember her? That girl, mm. cash me outside. Oh my God, man. Boom. She didn't need anything else other than to be smacked around. <laughs> I don't care. That kid- Well, but the question, but the question is- Maybe she was smacked around this is what happened. I doubt I mean, it. Her mother was scared of her. But that there we go. And I mean, the thing I think that's the key there. I think when it comes to Parrington, I don't know. I mean, as far as my parents, my relationship with my parents are concerned, I was frightened of them, but I loved them. <laughs> Same here. I was terrified of my father, but I adore the man. The last thing I wanted to do is come in the door and hear my mother say all my my whole name. Keith Everby Arshago. I was like, oh shit, I'm dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe, maybe taking away that, you know, I think it's great. That is the only time you hear your middle name is when you're fucking up, though. It is. Well, Vicky Ann. (laughs) Well, what about like parents who are their children's best friend while the kids are still growing? So you're not going to, and if you, if you, you know, if you got, if you're treating your kids like they're your best friend, then basically, that. but basically you're actually looking at your children through rose colored glasses right then and there that they're not going to be looking at them in the a more distinct perspective way. Maybe. I mean, it's OK to be your child's friend, but you got to be their parents first. And a lot of that is sadly lacking. I know people that have children now that they don't believe in any discipline. They can touch whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. They are feral, totally unrestricted. I can't wait to see how a few of them turn out. I got kicked off the tube at East Finchley because of this menopause mother had their menopausal last egg child. And she'd bait and the child's like running up and down the tube with a scooter. Yeah. And I said to her, I go, can you do something with your sprog? Right. (laughs) And she looks at me. She goes, you could have been a little better about that, but okay. But she looks at me and she goes, what do you expect me to do? And I said, I don't know. Go back in time and have an abortion. I don't care. Do something. <laughs> but it's like, and she didn't do any. I mean, I kicked off the tube because she told the conductor that I said she should have an abortion, which is not what I said. I said to go back in time and have an abortion. Well, technically, but you this, did say it. Did say but it. at the same time, it didn't. The kid kept kept bouncing. Um, that scooters kept bouncing into people's legs, running over people's legs, hitting, running over them because it's a child that we can't do anything about it. No, you're not yeah. allowed to discipline children anymore because that would be cruel and, and unfeeling. 
God forbid you gave them boundaries and taught them how to treat other human beings and animals. Mm. And, now, and we're also living in society at the moment now that if a child falls over and hurts itself, or we're living in a society that if a child um, pisses or shits its pants, the teachers are not allowed to change the child because it could be considered as this as well. So that's a problem. If I see a child fall over in front of me, I just step over them now because I can't do anything because if I touch them or look at them or something. In trouble. Precisely. So. Well, I think that um, in some aspects, I mean, I, I, I grew up with the, the rule of three, me and my sister. And it was a rule that my dad used to have, which is, I don't want to repeat you the same thing three times, but the third one, I will hit you. End of story. <laughs> that works. And you, got, you get a warning. You got a and warning. Then, yes. And then we said that the one who let you know is not a traitor. <laughs> and he he was he was really strict, right? And he was like, I don't care. And it was, this was like that. I don't care where I am, in front of who I am. If I have to put you in place, I will do it. End of story. I don't care. I know that these days will be wrong, right? But Imagine, he, imagine you would say, Look, Leo, don't do that. And you, you're you pushing the thing, right? He told you once, and you do it again, trying to be cheeky. Don't do it again. The third one, he was doing it, right? He was like, I don't know, grabbing for the hair or grabbing for the ear. And Well, we did the three strikes and you're out as well. Three strikes and you're out. That's what my dad used to say. Yeah. And I remember my father chasing me out the front door, and I wouldn't come home for a couple hours, so I'd make sure he was pulled off. Because he was gonna light me up if he got my hand, his hands on me. So <laughs> I, you know, it's just the way it was, and I, we were all okay. We turned out okay. Nothing. Um, I mean, my, but... my mother told me not to take the bike out, bike out to the road, which I did, of course. You know, she came down with the car, my grandmother in the car driving her, gets off, gets gets out, pulls in front of the bike where I'm at, and takes a switch, and like I have to walk my bike home, and she's like, every three words, whack, whack. But I'm saying that, I did. But to be honest, I deserved it. Really, I mean, I have to say that every time I was smacked, I actually deserved it because I, I mean, at the time, I mean, at the time, I didn't think so. But if I look back, probably it's a like, little asshole back then too. Well, I mean, throwing a knife <laughs> at my sister is a good reason to be smacked. Um, you I, know, I know your sister's probably got it because of you. But. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, I, I mean, I told them I would tell them to do stupid things, and they would do them. They get in trouble for them. And I gotta talk to Kelly. <laughs> well, for example, might if, my, this might explain a lot now, doesn't it? <laughs> look, if, if if my dad, if I would be in your in your place, in yours, in you, my sister would have uh, um, put me on the electricity. My dad would have hit both of us. Her for doing that, and me for being so stupid to go and do it seven times. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, I tell you, this, my mom had a different way of looking at things. That, like, for instance, I um, when I was six, I got caught um, shoplifting a candy bar from the store. And when she found me, she made me go back into the store and apologize for stealing this candy bar. But then for the next seven days, I had to beg groceries and my mom standing behind me going to everyone that was begging groceries, he stole the candy bar. He should have known better and telling everyone that. Um, but I have to, and when we left, after the seven days and we left, my mom said that she, I asked her, I go, why did it, why was it this long? I don't understand. She goes, 
if you're stupid enough to get caught, you're stupid, you know, then you deserve everything that you get. So it's kind of like, so, but, but that, in a way that kind of taught me a lesson that if you're going to do something, you know, that it's wrong, you know, if you're not going to get away with it, you shouldn't fucking do it. So maybe, mm-hmm. and after that, I, to be honest, I actually never did anything like that ever again. I actually don't do stuff that I know I can get away with because I don't know if I'll get away with it anyway. So it do kind you of think that this them. boy in this book and this movie knew that locking people in a gymnasium and killing them all with the bow and arrows or a crossbow, do you think he had any concept of right or wrong? Or do you think he was that anus a human being? The thing is, when it comes to right and wrong, if you're coveting your crime, you know you've done something wrong. He didn't seem to try to cover up anything. Nobody came out like he was some kind of hero with a smile on his face, so he knew he did something. Well, he's looking for he's looking for notoriety from somewhere. So if he's looking for notoriety, he's not. He knows he's done something wrong. Well, he's definitely lacking familial centeredness and love. There's just none there. It's all about her. Or it's all about the father trying to prove that he's, you know, that I don't know what he was trying to prove. Like I said, he was miscast. That made me crazy watching, uh, yeah. watching uh, John Riley being the father. I, I just, I couldn't take it. It made me insane. I kept waiting for Ricky Bobby to jump out at any time. You know, I mean, he Will Ferrell was right behind him. He was a really him. bad choice. Thinking. Huh? He was a really bad choice. They and I couldn't, I, and I couldn't picture thinking? those two having sex. Tilda Swindon and John C. Riley having sex. Can you imagine what that was like? Well, they they did have that. That was not a sex scene per se, but they were you know together in bed. But it yeah, was new. But, I don't know why. Yeah. It's a bit like walking in on your grandparents having sex. Is this something? It was. It was. Experience? It was exponentially worse every time I watched it. Mm-hmm. So I mean. It, it, Everybody, I don't know. I, I thought. But to be was, honest, though, every she time. She was a great I, pick for the mother because she can be cold and callous and pull it off with anything. Him, on the other hand, I, he just but, does not. He but then again, I mean, how's uh, Kevin never had anything that he did? There's never any repercussions anyway. Never. Well, I mean, look what he trashes her off her, her room that she has to herself. I would have killed him. That would have been it. It would have been on. There is no way I would have tolerated that. None. No way. Well, but if you think, look, when when he when when she lost the temper and, and he broke um, his, his arm, arm, he went to the hospital. And, and and when the nurse or the doctor asked, hey, what happened to you? He had all an alibi to not to blame his mom because probably he knew what was going to happen if he would have said, my, my mom broke my arm. And even when, when his dad came back and said, hey, buddy, what happened? No, I was so stupid that I fell from the, the changing table. He could have said, mom broke my arm, and he didn't do it. Problem is, he's six years old and shouldn't have been on a changing table. What is with that? I mean, he's not developmentally delayed. I mean, he's doing it on purpose. He just wants to shit his pants to annoy his mother at that stage in the game. I mean, the kid was premeditating already. Yeah, yeah. But, but I don't know. But for me, it was like, the the only moment that that I felt that that he was a bit close to her was when he when he when she was reading the story, and it was about arrows and, and it's Robin kind of like Hood, yeah what he what he liked, and when she lost the temper put him in his place and he couldn't say anything because he knew he did it wrong and then, um, kind of like 
I, I saw that like, like a way of like respect. She was expecting that, that he said, oh, yeah, mom broke my arm, but he never did it. Well, clearly there was uh, something wrong because when you remember when the little girl, they, he goes, why don't you come out, sis, and you can help retrieve the arrow. She's going, no, you know, <laughs> no. So she knew something yeah. was wrong. But I mean, that, I mean, the whole thing about we need to talk about Kevin anyway is about they both knew talking each- about him. Well, the thing is, they both knew each other's numbers. He knew how to play her and she knew how to play him. Yes. And so you have um, these two people in this constant battle against each other because they knew what got to each other. When, when you trust but them. another thing we need to also remember that just because someone's a sociopath or a psychopath doesn't necessarily mean they're dumb. Sociopaths and psychopaths in our history and in society actually have the highest IQs of any yeah. other. They, they rated higher than Einstein and Stephen Hawkins. Jeffrey Dahmer had a higher IQ than um, Stephen Hawkins. Think about that one. He's, that, that man was from USA. He's, he's a serial killer. He's still alive. No, no, he got killed in prison. He got yeah. Beat some to death guy out. got sick of him. In, well, some guy hated him in prison and just decided to pass yeah because he found life. God. He was doing it in the name of God. Well, he but, got um, religious and it drove this guy crazy. Didn't Dahmer get religious in prison? He did, didn't he? Dahmer got religion, but this other guy became like a Bordian Christian, which trumps the Christian. And I guess, I guess this Bordian guy was jumps one the of Christians, and the Bordian Bordian killed the Christian. Soldier, soldier of God, and he had to take Dahmer out. Yeah. Um, another thing that I don't know, call my attention, I wanted to say, but um, <clears throat> I don't know if you got the same way. When I watched the movie, um, the beginning, you know, she is like in the where she is, it's called the Tomatina, it's in Spain, and mm-hmm. it's like a festival where everyone threw tomatoes each other, right? right. But she was, I thought, well, well then, hold on, is she, that was is the, she that's really, the one that's the one point in the movie where all of Italia were gasping in horror that these tomatoes were being wasted. I'm teasing, I was right? gasping in horror. Well, it's a naked ceremony, <laughs> it's, a, it's what? a what, Craig? A naked ceremony. What do you mean? A mating, okay. like a mating as in having sex, mating or oh, making. Were they naked? Was everyone naked in the yeah, no, 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 no. This celebration started in the old days. Right. Uh, it was like a parade of big people dressed with big heads. I was just reading now and I, and I knew about And then apparently in the in time, there was uh, someone dropped a lot of tomatoes and they start to throw at each other. And then how it started. And then in the tradition is every year they do that. But oh, when I was wa- crazy Spaniards. Yes. When I when I watched the movie, I thought, okay, hold on. Is this really happening or not? And then the, the next scene is that she wakes up, gets out of like I thought, well, maybe she was high and she was dreaming about being in the tomatina. But what were really happening is that people were throwing uh, bl- uh paint on okay. her house. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh God, can you imagine having to be the mother or the parent living? And yeah. living in that same freaking town, I would have at least moved out of the town. But yeah. you know, she lives in that town. It's just like, why would you do that to yourself? But did you I... find that she quite enjoyed the misery of it all? I don't know why anybody want to be that miserable. She but didn't she look that. But, no, like... but she seems to have the satisfaction of like being the victim of, and then enjoying the. No, I don't know. I think she, that she, she was. Seems, but she seems miserable, but at the same time. She kind of embraces his misery like this, like this great big coat around her. I don't know I if she embraces it. I don't know. For me, my, my interpretation was like, 
her life was fucked up. They were they have no money. She was living when the son did that, and she have kind of have to pay the price, even though she's cleaning the blood, well, the, the paint on her house, which means like she's taking all the blame for something that another person did. Right? I couldn't understand the beginning why mm -hmm. who, who she was visiting, right? And then you know that it's, it's her hand. And the, the whole relationship of them was like they're together. But they can't communicate each other, and the, the only time they communi communicate is because it's like when something specific needs to happen, so they can chat, right? But at the same time, oh it's yeah, like, they had their present uh, awkward chats, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't yeah. understand what the hell that was. I mean, then she she's gonna stay and and try to help him, and she's gonna be there when he gets out. I mean, what is he gonna? I mean, how is that gonna work? You know, I mean, it's, it's but, just, but maybe they're but maybe they're one in the same people because they both have they both have a lot of traits that are alike. They're both stubborn. Right. They both they both hold their ground. They're both not willing to change their mind and they both stay in the what the how they believe and how they think. And that there's and there's no way that neither one of them are willing to maneuver any way around the other person at all. Right. And you know, I can uh, I can remember. How did she meet uh, her husband? Weren't they? She met him traveling, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. she needed um, in the book. I don't think they go into it too much in the film, but in the book, no. basically, is that um, she's dealing with an advertising agency. They um, they're, they need agency, a right. It's, yeah, they need a they need a specific car shot in a specific way in a specific scene, and. So they went to, so they were talking about this. She met him at the bar. He mentions this. Of course, it's the winning formula. And, you know, long story okay. short, because of this ad, then they end up being together. Because while he was scouting places for photos, she was scouting for his dick, I imagine. Well, they were terribly mismatched. They shouldn't even have got married. Well, I don't I mean, know. I mean, it, to me, this doesn't seem that they, they were not getting on together. They were, they, I mean, in the movie, they didn't have an argument. Is an, and probably that was the reason they never have an argument because they were never sitting each other to talk what was going on around them. And the dad was having like his own bubble. They're saying, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's a small kid. He doesn't know what he's doing. You don't know how to approach him. He was like, justifying everything. But because for his view, every time he was entering, the boy was switching to, to be perfect smart and everything but with her he wasn't like that but see this is uh, this is where like in the book they're like this idealistic couple this bohemian new york you know media artistic couple until they move this um, suburbs but another thing that's interesting in the book is they're not married they're living together it's only when then once they get married and she's pregnant for kevin that's when they get married is when she becomes pregnant for Kevin. And that's quite interesting because if you, I always find it weird when you get couples who have lived together for a long period of time and then they get married, there's some, something happens. And yeah. I'm wondering if it has to do with all of a sudden there's ownership that now it's like before, I think if you're not married and you're living together, either one of you can move at any time. No one's keeping you there. And I think that sometimes when the, the, the marriage license is signed is like all oh, no all now you officially are owned by each other and i think sometimes that change that can change a relationship because 
I know so many people that li- live together for 10, 15 years to get married and they get divorced two years later. Like, oh God, yeah. But maybe it's because you stop trying or maybe it's because it's harder to get. I mean, I, you know, when I was married to Mandeep, I don't know if I'd ever get married again because when I divorced him and we agreed, he got the house, he got the car, everything. And I walked away and the money it cost and the years that it cost to fill the paperwork is like, was it worth it? Where I could just, I could just walked away and save so much money and had the same, I would have the same effect. Been there and done that. Yep, something about if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if something happens, something happened, not with everything, but there's something that happens when people get married that Sometimes. all of a sudden, instead of two people, partnership, walking side by side, all of a sudden now there's a chain and a ball connected well, to it. Well, basically, all that piece of paper is is to have the, a government acknowledge you to tax you accordingly. Other than that, I see no reason for that piece of paper. But, may, but what I'm saying is that even though the paper doesn't say that or something like that, there must be something symbolic that triggers on in some people's heads. It could. It could. Because, you know, if you if you look at their marriage, for instance, it's like they're fine and dandy. Once they get married, all of a sudden he becomes like this misogynistic thing. Yeah. That the mother stays in the home the, 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 and all this other stuff. I and the know. Stuff that he, you want to talk about and the stuff that he fell in love with about her independence. Everything her about her is gone. Dream. Her whole he's, he's identity away. is gone as a motherhood. But she allowed that identity because she could have had it both ways. They, they apparently had money. So, I mean, she could have ma- managed it somehow. I mean, there's an easy way to deal with Kevin anyway. And, and the English have been doing it with all their middle class children from day one. And it's called boarding school. Yeah. Mm. They could send them the, the ROTC um soldier um school i wouldn't put a gun in that kid's hand no way well i was saying there there are plenty of places when you had the money that they had that you can send your child to if you can't sort the child out they could have been sorted out as well it could have but i mean nobody wanted to acknowledge that there was tension or a problem to begin with i mean there was obviously something clearly wrong between that mother and son and the father was complacent did not get involved pretend nothing was going on Gaslit through the whole movie and the book, even in the letters, you know. And I mean, it's it's a lot of his fault too for being a you know a really sadly lacking. I, I yeah, I'm sorry, but man, I mean, a lot of people don't want a man. I don't care if you're a gay man, a straight man, I don't care what color of a man, but there's nothing wrong with being a male in the family and taking care of your family, no matter what. I don't care. So you know, I I do think that that's lacking, and, she, and he was kind of neutered. I don't know if it was because of her or because he had a different attitude after they got married and started having children. But, you know, who knows? I, know I, I, I now know that if I have children, I probably would have a Kevin. You, <laughs> you probably would. I would. So glad you cannot mm. breed. <laughs> well, I, can, I can I can breed baby. I know you I'm can fertile. breed, but I just I just I just I'm just been breeding with the wrong species. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean that's your choice. No, to be honest, though, I mean one of the reasons why I chose not to have kids and ki- I didn't want kids from my own seed is because I don't want a little version of me running around because I'm not I'm not gonna I can't I'm not gonna deal with a little version of me. A little child with my mouth, it's fine coming out of my mouth because it's coming out of my mouth and I don't have to deal with it. But having it mirrored back at me is a totally different thing. I couldn't deal with it. A little kid with that smart mouth, smart mouthing back to me, Mr. Smart Mouth. 
having a midget version coming back at me. No. Yeah, actually, I actually, to be honest, I think if I was a parent, I'd be, I, I think I would be actually be extra, I would be one of those really, really strict parents. Well, I mean, I, I think, I don't know, I don't, sorry, but I, I don't agree with what you say because it won't be an exactly replica of you. And I think, as no, it, as it, no, but as the, it could I be think, the best, the best thing from you could be also the worst part from you. And, and whatever one day will happen, probably you will see reflected in him. Or he will be he will be reflected I, on you. I, I, I think everything that I dislike in myself is gonna be reflected in them. I don't agree with that, but mm. but I don't but another reason why I don't I don't think I'd be good with having kids is because I think I'd be overly restricted because I know what I was like at those those ages and I know what, how much of a nightmare I was. And so there's I would expect that there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with discipline and boundaries. That's the problem. No, no, but what I say, I think I, I think I would be extra strict because I would be afraid that he'd be doing the same thing that I shouldn't have been doing at his age. Yeah. So I'd be like, mm -hmm. so I probably would pull back a little bit. Um, I want to mention, you know, I don't know. This was my interpretation. I have the feeling that when she got pregnant the first time. He was happy, but she wasn't. No, she didn't want him. The second time, she was happy, even though she's a no. She tricked him. She took her IUD out. Yeah, but she was. I, I felt like when she she got news, oh, it's a girl. Yeah, she was really happy, but he wasn't really, really like. Yeah, but would you it. be? But would you be happy carrying John C. Riley's child in your uterus? I wouldn't. Who is John C. Riley? Yeah. The guy who played the father. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want much of him inside. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see serious, man. I'm trying to tell you about the movie, not the actor. <laughs> I have I to. Sit, I have to sit there and say, though, it's amazing those kids were as good looking as they were, considering who their parents were. Well, all I kept thinking of was all the movies he made with Will Ferrell and the Shake and Bake shit. I mean, Ezra Miller, the guy, the kid that played the teenage Kevin, he's gone on to fantastic career. He went from Me Too to actually molesting women, which is being charged with now. So, yeah, he's made a really leaps and bounds with his career. Did he really? Yeah. Did apparently. he get in trouble? No shit. Yeah, at the he's moment, that's a good that, looking that's boy, too. You know, he's um, he came out as gender fluid. Well, it's trendy. And, uh, Everybody's gender fluid these yeah. days. If you you know if you want to enhance your contract, if you, apparently that's the thing. Fluid, yeah. But you gotta do what the uh, folks tell what, you. Come to find out what he's doing, he was grooming thirteen-year-old girls, God. doing this gender-fluid image of his stage. So, and apparently he's touched them inappropriately, and that's what's going to court now. And this is like two years after he was like headlining the B two movement. So. That's, it's quite interesting. Wow, so. I did not know. I did not pay attention. If it says me too, nine times out of ten, I'm not going to read it. So, Kevin is from USA. The actor, I mean, Ezra Miller. I believe he's American. Yeah. Um, it's, just know, I, it's just the father and the. I mean, every time I saw him with her, I kept thinking of Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights. You know, shake and bake. You know what? I just like could not take him seriously as this, this part in this movie. Wasn't he also in Step Brothers? Yes, that that too. I mean, it was Boogie so Nights. hard. I mean, I the know, perfect, what... now when he was in the Perfect Storm, now that was well cast. You know, but I I cannot see him in this role. I, I don't. Know I think he's a good actor. I think that my oh, problem is actor. his hair reminds me it, and I, that's I don't like. What I don't like it because he looked like a clown. 
Well, I mean, I mean, he does have a Jufro. He does have one of those. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, I think this movie was re- was really cool because from all the movies we have seen, this one was the 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 most like twisted. Like it was twisted. Yeah, it's like um, the movie doesn't go like straight, even though like it kind of like start with something crazy. I, I remember that the first five minutes or ten, I said. Okay, where are these movies going going on? Because there were like like images one after the other, and then then you start to, as you said, to, to link them with what has happened to remember realize that the beginning is not the beginning; it's the end after all the things that has happened. So I don't know, and, and that actress, I think she's I stand up. I love what him as it? an actor. I just it's didn't sweet. like him in this role. I think I think it's because I think the reason why for me he doesn't work well in this role is because when he's playing the nice father, there's a goofiness to it. And I think what you needed, I think what you needed instead of having a goofy, nice father, maybe it would have been better to have an overly nice father without the goofiness. Maybe. I just just watching him have sex with a with her, you know, I mean, well, not even so much sex, but, you know, Tilda Swenson. I mean, I just, I just don't see him. I guess I just don't see him as a romantic figure. No, it looked like a trucker having sex with a lesbian. Or a lot lizard, whichever. <laughs> yeah. I know she, I mean, she really is not the most feminine mm. creature sometimes. I know she, she's really good at adapting her face. Yeah, her she's body. quite androgynous, isn't she? She's very androgynous. That's why, I, that's what I find so uh, well, Kevin, great Kevin. about her. Kevin looks like that too. Not the not a little boy when he grows up. I mean, she up. kind of is like a female David Bowie almost, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's a carpenter's dream. She's flat as a board. Yeah. She needs a, she needs a good nailing. Um, so <laughs> we, You're such a misogynistic so- <laughs> pig. I'm offended. <laughs> So I think I think on that now before we get started, let's rate. We need to talk about Kevin the film, starting with Vicky. I'd give it four, but I, I don't think I could sit through it again. I think it's something that needs to be watched at least once because of her performance. And I would honestly like to see what other people think about this movie because I mean, I, I I just I found it very frustrating with no closure and did not. I guess there's, there's, I guess you could draw your own conclusion at the end. She's going to wait for him to get out of prison and just give up her own life. Basically at the end anyway, for him, the child she disliked so much. Weird movie. What about yourself, Leandro? How many do you stars would you give this film? Uh, five out of five. For several reasons. Um, first, as you I said before. Tell us. Well, no, but like... <laughs> For me, it's like this movie was different to all the, the rest we have. It watched. is. It and is. In that, in the, their own like weirdness, because it, it's not like the like the normal movie we watch. Like um, I don't know. I, I like it. Because, it's disturbing. But I like it when when a movie can do that to you and make you thinking. Okay, this was real or not? This happened this way or not? And it probably if you watch it again. We you will see things that probably the first time. Oh, so yeah, you're probably right. 
Um, for example, while we were chatting, I, I, rem I rem remember that when she was throwing the ball to him, that yeah. ball was colored red. Right. The same that blood, the same that tomatoes, the same like... And there it's is like, a theme. It's definitely a theme. When, when, when he painted all like that in the, in the, on yes. the walls, that would happen when you bleed, you know? Yes. So it's like, it's, we start to put all the little details all together, you maybe get a different or more information about that. Um, so the moral of the story is beware of red balls coming at your face. Red leaky balls. I, I leave, I leave, I leave Beware of the you. red testicles as they come towards your face. Or the one testicle. <laughs> <laughs> I get you, Leandro. I totally agree with that. Now. No, no, I mean, that's interesting. They're probably, I mean, now that you mentioned that, they're, I don't know what the symbol, the symbolism is, but. Blood. It's just blood. Blood, but, um, but the balls, because everything's round, a round ball, isn't it, as well? Or maybe yeah. the circle goes unbroken. I don't know. But. I don't know. I mean, it's like. Well, family well, blood. If you, if you, well, want, if you want me DNA, to go the extra mind well, thinking, no, wait, wait, wait. Forget, if you want me, if you want me to forget, Leandro, before we let's we forgot the main thing. He also yeah. kills the daughter and the father. You know, so it. I mean, he it. That's blood. It's a thematic thing that you brought up, yeah. and you recognize that. So, and I don't know. It's like if you want me to go the extra mind, it's like tomatoes are round, right? right? He he! What you do, what they do in that party? They they squash them and you throw at each other, and well, and why the ball is round? For me, like if you go my mind to go an extra mile, Even. it's like she was trying to him to like respond, get a connection, right? Right. And well, this is really poetic, but I think that the love from a father to a son is infinite, so it's yeah. round. So yeah. even though whatever he did, she was still going. Well, you know him. what? No matter what your children do, you're gonna love them, and that's terrible because it's yeah. it's, it's it's a life sentence having children. And, and at the end of the story, even though what he did was horrible, she was still going and visiting him, not even even chatting because she couldn't have any conversation with him. But she was there making company. That's a, that I, was such a that was such I, a dissatisfying ending. And I think that and I think that the the Kevin realized that at the end. But there was no nothing to to be done now. He's in jail. End the story. She was still there with him, not chatting, just visiting, not saying even a word, but still there. But then so, again, there's always a disconnect with the dad, anyway, isn't there? Yeah. With every, whenever, in almost every situation, because if you yeah. look at it, you come from your mother, you bond with your mother. So basically, you're because you come out of your mother's body, don't you? So right. obviously, there's. And then, then, and then your mother has that closeness with you anyway because you, she's expelled you from her, from her womb, well, sort of thing. And then yeah. she has, and then it's your mom that has to nurse you. So maybe there is something, you know. There's this. Well, weird... there is in, in psychology, like from Freud. Uh, I don't know the name in English, but I will, I'm going to explain to you. There is a moment in the life of, of a son. If it is a boy. Because he has been, you know, attached with the mom because she needs to uh, breathe him and all that. There was a moment that he kind of created a relationship with the mom, and he's in un unconsciously he's jealous of the dad because the dad is with mom, and he can be with mom in that like in that way. 
And the same happened with girls and the, the father, you know, the, the, the girl thing that, oh, that is like the favorite for a moment. It's like, and then they need to realize that, for example, and this, uh, you can read it. This is like, there is a Greek uh, story that they connected with this, which is um, Electra. Electra. Yes, the Electra is the, the, the girl. And what was the name of the boy? Oh, something started with H. Not Oedipus, was it? Probably. Is it this, in the story, uh, the lady has a son, and then they the dad get rid of the son. Then in the end of the story, he got because he this oh, boy, Oedipus is that Oedipus, Oedipus read, yes where yes. Yes. I was just the saying, yes so misogynistic towards me again well because every time a woman every time a woman speaks a man closes his ears <laughs> <laughs> well and and when I was watching this movie I thought well hold on this situation should be happening because happens naturally and it doesn't need need necessarily be with your mom and that could be the person who raised you up but in this situation, it wasn't happening. It was like the contrary. He was like away from mom. And and then when they were ha having food together, he said, well, have you ever happened when you when you are with someone because you need to be with someone, but you don't really like that person? And then he said, yeah, well, this is how I feel with you. So they, they didn't have any that connection really clear, but they love each other because they were connected. But I think they were very much alike as well. I think that yes. I think they recognized well, the like she wasn't killing other. people. So yeah, you're probably I right. Mean, she never smiled and he never smiled. He was, you know, they 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 shared that, didn't they? I mean, they're yeah. both very miserable. Sour. You're like the sourpuss family. Yeah. And then he had the then he had the jumpy little happy as a fairy little girl, and then the happy jumpy happy as a fairy little yeah. the father as well. So <laughs> but that also tells you mother's sons, fathers, daughters. Yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. If you yeah. see, uh, like he ended killing his dad and his daughter, but not his mom, even though he didn't. He didn't. He said he would dislike her. If I was, if I, if I was Kevin, I would have killed the father. About ready to kill them all. There will be no movie. <laughs> but I have to sit there and say that it was very a very poetic artistic way that he killed his sister in the back garden i mean she was like posing a little ballerina outfit with an arrow diagonally yeah. through her i mean that's that i thought that he posed her up quite beautifully i definitely would have liked to have seen him shot to death yeah just for satisfaction and, and yeah. i, I kind of wish he used an axe i was i was kind of irritated because she kept telling him there was something wrong and, and the father just would not yeah. Would and not it, participate. And it's really interesting, like as you said, Keith, that she ne she didn't have the idea of he go and kill people, but in a way she she brought the story to him, right? Like it's a kind of like the information you put in in the mind of the kid, right? Like she brought that about arrows, and and, and when she was reading this the the story, she was like it, there was forty, I think she said forty thousands of ar arrows. So it's like kind of Another like thing, but the thing is, when you're a mother and you recognize that your child may need some kind of professional help, and you don't do anything about it, aren't you a little bit responsible? I mean, the thing is, okay, the father might have said something or whatever, but the, the thing, father was never there. 
He's never there. And then all the thing is, I mean, she could have done it on her own. I mean, they had enough money. She could have left the father yes. for the well-being of Kevin, but she doesn't do that either. She spent more time worrying about her husband's going to walk away from her than she actually did about Kevin during the, in the book anyway, she does. Mm-hmm. So. But at the same time, I feel like he was, he was, for me, like, it's not that he was, like, disabled or I don't know how to say it. It's like, in a point, as you said, he was, like, um, really smart, but probably she would take him to see a doctor because he's not responding and all that. And, and that in front of the doctor, he was switching. Well, she took and- him to, but the thing is, there we go. The, the kid has psychological or reactionary problems with the, with everything. And she takes him to a pediatrician. Wow, she's basically, uh, well, because, well, uh, I can tell you, a pediatrician are not trained to do that. A pediatrician mm-hmm. do sore throats, cold, tongues, and stuff like this. They're Shot. not doctors of the mind. Why does she, I mean, and the thing is, she's no. got enough money to turn to a child psychologist. She's right. got enough money to send them to a child specialist in, you know, in, in psychological yeah. sciences, but she takes them to a pediatrician. That's like taking that's like you taking your child to a pediatrician for cancer treatment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of the same kind of thing. Oh, but then oh. again, maybe it's the way, but then again, you don't want people to know that your child's going to a psych a psycho that they might be mentally ill, because that there's a stigmatism there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Right. And the and the mother's selfish anyway. She's very selfish in a lot of ways. You know, well, I mean, in the book, in the book, she's more selfish. It's all about how it's affected her. Yeah. You know. So, so Craig, how many? Do you, what do you rate the film? I'll give this film. Uh, I'll give it four crossbows out of five because I thought it was disjointed, and also I would have preferred them to just have had like a location and a time scale come up on the screen, sort of thing. So I knew where I was at, sort of thing. But yeah, that's my take on it. And I would have liked him to have been shot to death for satisfaction and closure at the end by the police. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We could have seen more blood. Actually- I'm gonna write I'm gonna actually rate this a three. I think it was well made. I think the performances were done, but I just didn't care. I just kind of like, okay, this happened, this happened. And then- <laughs> And, and to be honest, the only thing I act, the only thing, the only high point in the whole film is, is when you find out that the father's dead and he killed the daughter. And then I went, oh. And but the rest of us are going, after that, no. I mean, maybe if he's like, went, you know, all carry at the prom when he went to the gym on the kids and we saw that murder spree or something like that. But that was even kind of like a half assed murder thing. It's just like, okay. And I know, and I, and I know that they had arrows, but. He had six arrows and he was able to pull them out of the girl, the people's body and, into, and fire six more. I don't know. I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, he locked him in there. I mean, I'm not going without a fight. If I think someone's going to kill me, I am not going without a fight. So. And to be honest, because the thing is, that, that that's another thing that kind of in the book, it kind of reads a bit better. But in the movie, when you see it played out. I mean, the thing is to do it, to put an arrow into a bull and then aim and fire. It's not like a gun. They don't go boo, 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 boo. No. You got to take is, a lot of time. It takes time. And it, it's hell getting an arrow out of a body. Yeah. 
Because you have to unscrew the arrowhead if it goes through and then pull it out that way because you can't right. pull the arrow out this way because it breaks off the arrow. So you, or you have to push it through the body. Right. And then you have to worry about the feathers at the end. And then you can't reshoot them with the feathers at the end because they're wet. So you're right. not going to get a good aim. So. And yeah, I probably shouldn't know my stuff like that, should I? This brings us to the end of the Literary Policies Podcast. Next month, we'll be doing our books of screen. It'll be The Color Purple by Alice Walker and Color Purple by Steven Spielberg, the film. Of course, next week, we'll be continuing with our Batman animated series. Our make-remake will be Castle Freak from, from 1995 and 2020. And, of course, our M&M, Monsters and Madness, will be The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane, starring Jodie Foster, as a person who's a victim of a pedophile and Alice Sweet Alice starring Brooke Shields as we learn about what happens when you kill your favorite sister at communion. <laughs> and of course, we'll be continuing our dark series, our dark shadows, our Doctor Who retrospective. We'll be covering the missing articles or the missing episodes of Marco Polo from 1964. So it's good night for myself and good night, Craig. Good night, everybody. Good night, Leandro. Good night, everybody. Good night, Vix. Good night, everybody. Have a great new year. And it's good night for myself, and we'll see you next week for Batman The Animated Series. Good night, folks.
she wants to play with the toys a while And school's out early and soon we'll be learning And the lesson today is how to die And then the bullhorn crackles and the captain tackles With the problems in the house and wife And he can see no reasons cause there are no reasons What reason do you need to who die? Down. Yeah.